This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a jam-packed Nextlander podcast. Today... Packed not with jam, though, as your typical Next Lender podcast is. Packed with games. Not only are we going to have a ton of games to talk about that we have played, we've got a ton of games to talk about that are actually going to be coming out in 2022 and beyond. So we're going to cover the games we have touched first, and then we'll get into some of the Gamescom stuff later on in the news section at the end there. Gamescom. More games of 2022 dates. Let's say games, early access, and DLC than I thought when I was putting a list together. So there's, there is stuff still in 2022 to come. And then we'll get to the news after that. But uh, normally this is where we kind of just spitball around and go around the table. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker, you guys are all good, right? I was promised I mean, can, jam. Can, can we also talk about jam? Yeah. We could talk Please? about jam. Jelly, jelly or jam? I'm a, I'm a jam. It's a known fact. I'm a jam person. 60% of the week for me is dedicated to looking forward to jam every Wednesday. Do you you have Jam Wednesdays? Yeah, here on this podcast. That's what we do, oh. man. Oh, jamming. Like we're jamming. Like no, we're jamming. I want jam. Like, like you literally just want Strawberry to- Strawberry jam, motherfucker. Give it to me. 
I I don't know what it says that I googled jelly or jam, and the yeah. first thing that came up was a healthline.com. I mean, it's, it's not good for telling, you. They're telling people not to eat jelly because jelly is a waste of calories. You don't want that it. jam? Give me the jam. jam. I want I want actual fruit pieces in there. Yeah, I I grew up in the land of both, and I don't know the difference. What's a was that a, a conserve con con preserves no not preserves, preserves. and there's like a, a con, confit confit compote Com- compote Com- Com- is that what i'm looking for okay compote? i think yeah. that's just a fancy way of saying jam <laughs> i think that's the farm to table restaurant version of jam <laughs> that's a, it's it's three dollars more jam yeah that's, yeah okay yeah no you're oh, getting this? that with a blueberry reduction foam compote is just fruit and syrup this says okay the two best things in the world so wait, is a can of is your standard can of peaches a compote? No, because I think it has to be a syrup. little bit more mushy. And then mm. what's confit? C O N F I T? Is that? I don't some- know. I think that's got meat or something in it. I don't is know. It- yeah, that is my completely uneducated. Yeah, yes, that's duck or other meat. Okay, cooked slowly in its own fat. So meat. Yeah, meats. Okay, meat Great. ass meat. Great. I don't know why I associated that with preserves as well. Uh, I mean, it kind of sounded like compote, I guess. That's probably yeah, what your brain that's did. Probably, that's probably what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, no, jam all the way. Yeah, 100%. If, uh, I, haven't, I don't have a lot of jam these days, but man, I, I would. I would. A peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jam sandwich. You know, I'm always going to say peanut butter and jelly, but what I mean is peanut yeah. butter and jam. I don't, why do I now I just want to talk about a roux? Well, sure. What's I a, just like saying roux. Yeah, a roux. What, you need a what good is roux. a roux? It's like a your rude. starter for your sauce. It's like, man. A, it's like a it's like a reduction kind of. Oh, would okay. you say? Or I would not say it's exactly like, just a reduction. I'd say it's like butter and flour, and then it's you like a, add everything to it. Yeah, you roux. Okay. Are you gonna roux the day? I brought a roux McClanahan. A roux ba. Mm-hmm. Bahama. Come on, pretty no, mama. absolutely not. Mike Love era Beach Boys. We do not quote here. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, we've got uh, today. We're gonna talk about Saints Row. Midnight Fight Express, Madden, come on, na, na, na. nope, Pentiment, Splatoon, Call to the no, Lamb. You just can't, a if you keep bit. doing this, I'm going to leave because it needs a patch. I have because games. I got the ritual bug. You're not going to get a Splatoon segment if if this continues. <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean by a, the Mike Love era? Was there an era without Brian Wilson? I mean, the one where, where he, Mike Love was in charge. Like was, was like Brian the Wilson 80s era when when Kokomo came around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the time period. Yeah. But like was was Wilson gone at that point, or was he just like disempowered? I fairly, if not gone, then certainly just. I am not yeah. a Beach Boys historian, but my understanding okay. is that by the time like there was a once Mike Love kind of took over the whole project, uh, that is when you should check out from the Beach Boys. I see. Oh, wow. Yes. That, wow. Yes. Sorry. To, no, no. All apologies to John Stamos. Not the best era of the Beach Boys. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Well, this is the best era of video games, I mm-hmm. have to say. Well, okay. I'll yes, say this it. is the pet sounds of video games right now. S- Smile? Is that a That's a Brian Wilson album. That's Brian Wilson. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that the one he worked on for like decades? It was he definitely worked on that one for a very long time. Uh let's talk about we gotta get into it because we've got a lot of ground to cover here in terms of uh we've got some games we've played, games we've seen people play, games we have seen demos of let's start with a game we played this week and let's just kick it off with saints row from smiles to frowns <sighs> um okay. let's talk okay before we get into this one let's talk a little bit about what we you know our history with saints row 
Saints Row is a okay. You guys, you guys, you want to start, Alex? Because my, my, oh, sorry. No, go uh, ahead, Brad. It's really my, interesting. My favorite memory of Saints Row is when, let's see, it was 2006, I believe, the first one came out. So the Xbox 360 was still brand new, mm-hmm. and they sent like 12 copies over to GameSpot. <laughs> Because we had to do some kind of like multiplayer thing. They really wanted people to review that game. And they were just like, anybody who was willing to do like participate in this multiplayer video thing we're doing here, you can have a copy of this. And I was like, okay. For the- playing it and going, oh, Keith David is awesome. Yeah. Also this also this like in world traffic navigation over like overlay on top of the road thing is awesome. Ter- this seems okay. Territory control, right? It's a GTA knockoff, and it had God, some tweaks. Started to out it. as one, as a very, very, very direct GTA knockoff. I am, I am working myself up into a nostalgic lather here, mm. uh, and I'm sure that the first Saints Row is not nearly as good as I remember it. Uh, I don't remember but, loving but, it, but but should we should we play Saints Row One? Oh, well, so here's the thing about Saints Row One: it had you know the the gang stuff, which was sort of like you know the territory and and all that kind of stuff, and then like mechanically it was a pretty solid game like it being doing a gta thing but it, the shooting felt a little better i remember the cars being pretty good it just didn't have much personality of its own yeah it was it was a little too serious like they did have not found the kind of more humorous identity that they would come to later but it was and so it was it was definitely more of like this is real ass gang shit you're building up a real gang yeah. david is here to be his like somber gang mentor persona as he tells you how to build up you know what i mean it yeah. was like yes kind of really trying to be GTA top to bottom. And then and 2 came it, along and kind of was the bridge between where the game started and where it eventually went. So, so 2 was... I, did 1 have a really robust character creator? Because I mostly remember 2. It had a good one, if I remember correctly. Okay. I don't know if it went as hard as the later ones did, I, but I think like, it was pretty good. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Saints Row backwards compatible on the Xbox. <laughs> Got my I, disc right here on the shelf. Maybe we should check that out at some point. I'm pretty sure I remember two. Was it Ryan Davis playing two at Giant Ball? Yeah. Okay. I remember. I, let me let me double check. I feel like I remember watching like he reviewed that game early on. And somehow Greg Kasavin reviewed the first one for us, which I sure. would not have expected. But that's, like that's kind of shocking. Yes. But, you know, he gave it a low eight. He was into it. And I remember two, and I thought it was clever. I think you get it blown up in the beginning of two in some kind of boat explosion or something, and you're wrapped up in bandages, and that's when they do the character creator because right. you're, you're supposed to be the same character. <laughs> they, they do they go like full dark man. Yes, yes. and then they the uh, take the bandages off, and they're like, "We had to do some work, <laughs> and here's what you look like now." And I was oh, like, "That's wow. funny." That's that was funny. that was yeah. like the moment they started to embrace the brainlessness of the whole thing in yeah. a good way. Uh, yeah, Ryan. That, yes, Ryan reviewed Saints Row Two and gave it a four out of five, and that okay. was like three months after the site launched. Okay, so that was super early. And then, of course, everybody remembers Saints Row the Third. Yes, yeah. three and four, I, uh, which basically turned the you know the char- chucklehead characters of that game into the Fast and Furious cast, like people that yeah. you have no right to care about at all, but they find a way to do it just through sheer stupidity. And and so three, I thought was a good in between. Four maybe took it a little too far in the oh, I love four. superhero direction. Four is really fun. Just, I feel yeah. like they just that maybe they started to see the joke running out of runway. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember a ton of like standout moments from four. It definitely had some. It's the like, it's the rock. Wait, is three or is four that, the one that has the rocket with Aerosmith? I thought that was three. That might be I three. Remember. I think that's three. 
I think that's three, and then they do it again in four. Okay. Something similar. Yeah, I believe I, I believe four is the one with the touch at the end, but I, I forget what you're doing. Yeah, it's very much the same thing of like, like here is here is some like eighties style butt rock against this action sequence to make you all excited. And I was like, ah, the touch is great, but you did this last game yeah. also. I mean, look, but look, like the like as a as a crackdown game. Like Saints Row 4 is a great crackdown game. Yes, it is. Better like than some just, of the other just, crackdown games. They just turned it into like they're like fuck cars, yeah. like you can just jump over buildings now. Right. Yeah. Yes. And and meanwhile, while all this is happening, you get like it's all volition, right? Yes, it's this is all volition. And um you're getting the Johnny Gats, Gat out of hell. Uh, that was not the, very good. Yeah, you're getting some like weird stuff happening in the background. This yeah, it, this you're well, never, never really quite sure the health of volition at that point. Yeah. It, it, I, it, this, this is reminding me there are straight up actual characters in Saints Row besides like Johnny Gat, Shondi, mm-hmm. right. uh Kinsey, <laughs> yes. Keith um, David. The Keith David character, although he was gone was he in three? I thought he was in four. No, he was in three he and definitely four. In four. Yeah. Definitely in four. I remember okay. like he, Oh god, that's right. In four you become the president. Yes. He immediately <laughs> right, yeah. the game good. opens with him saying, Do you want to cure cancer like, or solve world hunger? Yeah. Right. Like like you had it's an either or. But yeah, like yeah. that game straight up starts in the West Wing and yes. you are the president. <laughs> like that was pretty good. There's some um, good stuff going on, and the character creation stuff I felt was a lot of fun. By that point, they had diverged so far from Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto went left, Saints Row went right, and mm-hmm. you know, they they started from a similar place, but they found their they found a unique place to be. Yeah. You know? And what I remember about the development is that I believe Saints Row 4 began as an add-on, as a DLC expansion for 3. Yes. And they spun it off into a full game. And it and they still managed to, I think, basically stick the landing. Then Get Out of Hell happened. Yeah. And it felt like, like they had, run, in fact, run out of runway. Like, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like, 4, the, the joke was running out, but they still managed to pull it together. But then Get Out of Hell was just like, why did this get made? This is not great. And yeah. that turned out to be a real sign of things to come. Yeah. So then. For, for Volition. Because then they made Agents of Mayhem, which was. So, yeah. So. Fairly busted. The new Saints Row <laughs> seems very bad. Yeah. So that, yeah, and that's all we have all played this. it. Yeah. We can and say. Shit. I mean, we should, I guess we should talk about the game before, like the meta analysis of what's going on with Volition. But like, so the setup here is that it is not the characters from the original Saints Row games. It is kind of a reboot in the sense that it is a cast of characters who you are one of four roommates uh, who, in your off time, you do crimes because you are just trying to make rent. Uh, and you would get to take a job with a private military corporation. Marshall. Marshall. Uh, and the whole opening of the game is what's supposed to be an introduction to what New Saints Row is, but is mostly just a very ramshackle assemblage of, you know, shooting gallery sections than, like, not really any personality or jokes to speak of that really land with any consistency. Like, okay, what do we got? We've got, I mean, you've got your creative character. Mm-hmm. Which, by the and way, then, crashed on me the first time I started making a character. On the nice. PC or on the... Uh, on PC. On PC, okay. I played on PS5. Uh, I have a whole, there's a ton of bugs there as well. Yeah. Uh, soft locks, uh, no crashes. But, Dude, the, bu- the bugs is like a whole yeah, other... That's all, yeah, I don't want to even get into the bugs yet. Like the, yeah. the, the, crew, the crew is like, you've got like shirtless muscle guy. Yeah, part of the idols. Yes. Okay. Which is like some <laughs> u- u- utopian Daft Punk socialist movement is the, my... That's the vibe I'm getting. 
They all look like the, the the watch um, watchdogs guy with the the mask on. Yes, they, yeah. yes, or they're 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 full on. Yes, they're robot mask people. Anti capitalists, like uh, you know, uh, but but these are all like sociopaths. But like yes, yes. Or, or in the end, they're yeah. All I mean, the run. first thing you do with them is go like hold up a credit union and. Yeah. Uh, so yes. so that's the that's Kev, I think, right? Mm-hmm. It's Kev is part of the idols, the the shirtless guy. Uh, who, then, like they yeah, party I mean, and it's like power yes. to the people. And then, and then you've got the the opposite dude who is the botox. He's basically like this Alex P. Keaton. Yes. Mm-hmm. Riff. Wannabe venture capitalist. Straight up, straight up, like, yeah, like bow tie wearing arch capitalist guy. And then you've got the lady who's trying to be an art curator. And all and all of them. Well, she likes all cars. That, She's them, the getaway driver. Yeah. She's yes. uh And underneath all of that, they all are like in violent gangs and just kill people wantonly. <laughs> it's like, yes. it's, yeah, it's like if you made a heart, like a, a story about like all the members of Crazy Taxi joining gangs. Like they are, they are that level of like weird, goofy caricature. Yeah. But also and they are violent murderers. Yeah. Like all, whatever, all those archetypes are fine yeah. in, a, in a Saints Row game. If, if it was like funny and written well, I just, I have from what I've played so far, like a lot of the writing is kind of painful. It just doesn't have punchlines for the most part. And and they kind of set these characters up. These are your roommates, but they're all part of different gangs. Uh, uh, Nina, the, the driver is part of the Panteros. Yeah. Panteros. I think so. I think. Panteros. Uh, Eli, the, uh, um, the bookkeeper guy. I don't know if he's in a gang actually, but he's supposed to be really good with, he just keeps listening to like books on tape uh, about, uh, yeah, being he's a success win guy. And then Kevin, the idol, uh, is supposed they set this, him up in the story to be like uh, uh, the charisma, right, yeah. face uh, of the thing. Because later on, once you're done with everything, um, when after you've fought every gang, and it turns out being in the gangs, they all stink. You're gonna start a new gang called the Saints. Start the Saints, yeah, yeah. and you're starting them up. And you've got a getaway driver, you've got uh, the business manager, you got the charisma person, and you're basically the muscle. Yes. You're, you're the you're the the out the gun. And you start up the saints. And I kind of like that idea of we're gonna get the church, we're gonna set this set this thing up. It's kind of everything in between feels so flat. It's, like it, it's a pretty good bad. idea. I feel like it's a pretty good springboard. Yeah, like it feels very contemporary in this in this like current reality of economic struggle. Oh yeah, I mean like all your the, like, your, your side missions are literally called side hustles. Like that's right. just you know you're out there like basically doing five different jobs just to survive. Right, like like that idea of like oh we somehow like fell backwards into building this like sprawling criminal enterprise just because we couldn't make rent is pretty funny. And the game opens like in flashback or flash forward mm-hmm. or whatever where it's like it's like the end of the story at the beginning of the game and like yeah. the saints have ha- clearly have become this like <laughs> franchised multimedia extravaganza in the space of months or whatever and then it flashes back to i guess you're gonna you're playing through that entire rise well you're also dead or or you're well, you're, being you're being buried, buried. you're being so buried alive buried in, alive. in the yeah. intro yes yeah. but anyway the yeah. like the premise the premise seems like it has promise yeah. i just yeah. have not seen really anything that was actually very funny or <laughs> well it's i mean i feel like the the style of humor is completely encapsulated in one of the first missions you do after that intro which is the convoy mission Mm. which is essentially an extended Fury Road parody that has zero jokes. Mm. Like, it is just a kind of on-the-nose, you know, like, portrayal of the kind of, like, on like car stunt action you saw during the Sandstorm stuff 
in Fury Road, and you're like, is there, like, are they going to riff on this? Are they doing anything with it? And the answer is no. They just remember that you liked that movie, and that is kind of what this game is. It is a lot of, like, hey, we know you liked these other Saints Rows. We're irreverent, too. We just can't actually identify any of the things you liked about those games, and we don't know how to portray them. I, um... I'll just put my headline out there. Yeah. This game was not ready to be released. No. It, and, and, and almost, I, I don't, I really don't like dogging on, on development or, or releasing games. I know it's very hard, but this one, this is a broken game with a lot of, with all the seams showing. It, I, it, I think, I think the, the thing from my perspective, the thing to keep in mind there is I would say everyone who worked on this game probably knows exactly yeah. what stated is it in, would be difficult for like, them not to like, like, in effect, what you're really doing is ragging on the business people who demanded that this come out when it did. And they did or, delay it. Remember, like it was yeah. supposed to come out earlier this year, and they did delay it once, but they did not delay it enough. I don't know if it's the the business decision or the whatever leadership and guiding that team, the development uh, 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 pipeline, whatever happened. They needed either more time or a different direction because this thing it's hard to play. It's, it not only is like the content a little iffy, it's difficult to actually get through. Yeah, like so. I mean, just anecdotally, I'm pretty sure the majority of people that worked on the old Saints Row games are not there anymore at Volition. They have all moved on to other things. I I don't know much about the current makeup of Volition as a studio. What I can say definitively is that there are exactly two things I like about this game so far. I like the soundtrack, and I like the setting but I do not like the city itself. Like, it is a neat area. Like, they have they have created, like, an interesting flavor that is different from a lot of the other cities that they have used in Saints Row, but the city feels pretty fucking lifeless. There is just not that much going on, and when you start getting into the missions, the combat is flat-out bad. Like, the shooting is bad. It's It doesn't... There's nothing lands with any impact. Yeah. The it's, aiming... You can tune a lot of stuff in the settings, but out of the box on the console, at least. I don't know. You were using a controller on the PC? I am using a controller, and it's not just the aiming. The aiming doesn't feel great. It's just that, like, nothing lands with any impact. Yeah. Like, it feels yeah. like you are shooting air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it has sensitivity settings. It, it has dead zone settings. It's got right? dead I tweaked, zones. I tweaked I, the, the dead zone because the aiming does feel terrible out of the box. <laughs> yeah. And I tweaked the dead zone and dialed it in pretty well, but I couldn't find sensitivity settings, just dead zone. And I've. So I watched a couple of like YouTube bug compilations mm -hmm. from different reviewers who both spent 10 to 15 minutes complaining about completely different bugs. Like I didn't see I didn't see one common bug between the two of them. It was like totally separate and people we know like Dan lost literally 12 hours of progress and had to start over because of a, a, like his a game breaking glitch, yeah. His his character was rendered unable to do anything but run around, no jumping, no interacting, no shooting. Uh, and all of his saves were affected and he had to start over. I, like, I, um, most of what I have experienced has been, like, bad but not fun bad. Like, you know, I bought a fucking Lucha mask and the game just straight up refuses to let me wear it. You know, like, it just, even no matter how many times I select it, it never appears on my character. Uh, I have seen NPCs just run around without face textures at all. It's just an empty space <laughs> and right, a piece of hair. That's a fun bad. Yeah, it's like, but... It's like tons of... There's a yeah, lot of that, pretty, is the thing. Yeah, 
there's tons of like character animations like freaking out or yeah, yeah. Know, characters like snapping into other positions and like teleporting around. The AI seems pretty bad in general. Like sometimes it's pretty on the, on the nose and other times it feels like they are just kind of running around in circles. And I, I literally the game has crashed on me all three times I've played it. I uh, always I, in character creation stuff. I mine soft locked in the character creator. Uh, any t- so you can go into your phone and kind of change anything you want from your character as long as you want it. Yeah, want. I, uh, I kind of I like I I really like that it, it's the phone app thing again. Like mm-hmm. they're using that same phone metaphor for your menu of skills and stuff. Which like by the way, the skill tree is basically non-existent. There's not much, in this, but but I I do love that you can just pop into the character creator literally anywhere at any time and just yeah completely remake yourself like that's awesome like as long as you're not in a cutscene or in a car my thing is i made i made a cool character knowing saints row and knowing probably where this was going to go i basically made colossus you, they had a the shiny uh body made of metal yeah, the metal yeah uh they have like ribbing on it and so she's basically colossus and i was like cool i'm gonna make sure you know sometimes when i want to go full colossus i'm just not gonna wear any clothes and uh, like there's a lot of options in there show nipples or or uh um you, you want to have a fig uh, leaf over your junk yeah, yeah you do that and i was like i'm colossus it's cool we don't need to do any of that stuff i cannot every time i turn off the underwear on the bottoms the top underwear comes on every time i turn yeah. off the underwear on the top the bottoms go back on and there's no there's a force underwear thing that's turned up there's like options that feel like they're competing with each other like a toggle that feels like it is turning another toggle on in some other menu. Oh, it's like a switch puzzle. Like, you have to figure out the right <laughs> order to get everything in to make sure you get the actual thing because one thing turns another thing off but another yeah. thing on. And then eventually it, like, when I go through that, and sometimes it'll just soft lock and I can't get out of the menu and I have to quit the game and come yeah. back in. The other thing is uh, these are some some of these are fun, but it's in a cutscene it's not fun. I've had animation breaks in the in-engine cutscenes. One, I think it was Nina as the getaway driver. It's right before you um, start up the the business. She's like on the couch and you guys are coming back in. And she's on the couch and you go get a drink from the fridge. The fridge doors basically flew off the fridge and then <laughs> snap back on. Shut, like all like higgledy-piggledy. And your character makes an animation like she's opening the fridge. And then reaches through the fridge door for me. Takes nothing out. Walks back. And then Nina's standing on the couch. <laughs> uh, a cushion. Uh, and wow. it's just like. You know, so, so, you know, all that sounds like a great time. So it was just, you know, at some point, though, normally I would record that and show it to you guys. I started feeling bad. I, there's like, like, there's a point where it's like, this is fun. But then I was like, this, this, I felt bad for the development team. Like, these people I worked do, hard on this thing and yes, like, put a yes thing out. No. And this is just broken. But I mean, you know, they are selling, they are selling oh. editions of this game between 60 and $100. I, and again, yeah. this just should not have come no, out. No, you need to know, if you're listening to this, you need to know this game is, it is probably in some state of playability, but it is not, it it's, is an It's also just product. not good, even when it There's, is working. It is not so that interesting. That, that seems like the gist here is that even if the game was totally functional, it is completely unremarkable in most ways, but it is completely broken on top of that. Like deeply and, bland. And and again, I haven't seen all these myself, but I, again, like, you know, we talked to Dan about it and, and some of these are fairly well documented. There's like quite a few progression breaking bugs in this game. That's, that's a bummer. Like, like I saw multiple reports of things that will break like, you know, 15, 20 minutes into a mission where you just can't finish the mission and then you have to start the whole thing over. I mean, that's just like unforgivable so i've had some fun with it there are parts where i've had fun but it's mostly been 
the physics sandbox that I've had fun with where, where stuff goes flying around or you did yes. something fun and it's not because it was designed in it's because stuff went sideways <laughs> mm-hmm. certain certain limiters are not in place necessarily and it makes for a good time yeah, yeah. no like when a car explodes behind you and then goes flying at like 70 miles <laughs> yeah. an hour past you that's funny I can get the behind way, that the way the way the cars blow up in this game I hope they don't tweak this yeah it's like the one <laughs> thing ridiculous. that works right there was a car yeah. chase and there was like a skull car that was supposed to be a boss I think following me and it hit some piece of collision on the road and went flying off the map never to be seen again within a second of showing up and that was pretty funny to me because I didn't have to do whatever I had to do in that car chase anymore so that stuff is sometimes fun I think the weapons it's another bug I'm sure but my weapons constantly switch back to my pistol or, or like uh, it doesn't stay on the guns. They give you different loadouts sometimes. Like I was using this machine gun for the marshals and then this other mission, I had this AR, it's an assault rifle that was totally different in this other mission uh, in the same weapon spot. And it just felt weird, you know, like the, my, my weapons should be the weapons I have in that spot uh, uh, going forward. It's. It's I'm just, just, just going to call just, it. This is this is Mass Effect Andromeda ask. I, dude, I, I think it's worse. I think it's Anthem. Like I actually <sighs> wanted to come in here making the Bioware comparison because I feel like I'm going through the exact same arc that I did there. But now you can share it. Agents of Mayhem is Mass Effect Andromeda in this analogy, and this is Anthem, where it's like I look back now, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, how did I not see this? It's because I didn't want to see this. Like, in both cases, like they shipped a bad game. And everybody was like, well, that sucks. Maybe the next one will be better. Mm. And then here comes Saints Row. And I'm like, oh, good, a new Saints Row. They're rebooting it. This will probably be cool. Like, like you want to think the last, the previous bad game was a one-off. And then this comes out and it's worse. And you're like, oh, maybe the fortunes of this studio have just fallen. I, I hope that's not the case. But I mean, the, the, the Andromeda thing, I was more saying, it's like, this is a franchise that was well-regarded and people were excited for a new yes. one of these. And yes. they just, they extremely did not execute on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In that respect, you're totally right. I just, I just mean in terms of like, maybe we should have, maybe should we should have seen the signs earlier and not had gotten our hopes up so much here. It's just a bummer, man. Like, I don't like it's seeing any studio, like, bomb out on something like oh. this. But and I was really looking forward to this. Like, Volition is a storied developer with a lot of, like, really... Yeah, a lot of history. Like, I mean, like, you know, some very different games from Saints Row also, you know? Like, people fucking love Descent Free Space. Like, they've been around making other games for, like, what, 20-something years now? Decades, yeah. yeah. I think they were... Par- I haven't tried I have to double check the lineage like they were parallax before they were volition right I think like originally like descent came out of this studio in its first incarnation you know like you certainly it's kind of just like Bioware you know it's like you don't want them to put out bad stuff like no I mean nobody yeah. wants anybody to put out bad stuff and yes volition used to be parallax okay it's um I mean I was thinking about cyberpunk and its launch and when I was thinking about that it's like, you know, cyberpunk was reaching pretty far, and, and I don't think Saints Row is actually reaching that far. It's, it's, it's really not. If but anything, yeah. they're, like, reaching back a little too far into, mm-hmm. like, the 360, or I think even Xbox One might be a little generous for what the uh, uh, kind of generational gameplay style is. It, it feels very basic, and by the numbers, as an open-world game of this type goes. So... I think the character creation stuff is great in this game. They also do a lot of gun customization when stuff. When it works. Which, when it works. And I think they do a lot of they do a lot of customization stuff. 
And my favorite part so far in this game has been going into the community bosses creator section and seeing a 260 pound ripped shaggy, you know, like a giant bulky Mm shaggy or like they're making. So Michael Jackson was in there. I saw a bunch of wrestlers, which I didn't know, but I saw a couple of rocks in there. That is absolutely also the most fun I've had with this game is the 20 minutes I spent going through those. Like people have like, there's some deep cuts in there and there's some really well done stuff. Like it's kind of shocking how much you can do with that thing. Yeah. So that stuff was neat. And I like seeing my character in this world that I made this superhero Colossus. But then when I go play it, I mean, totally I'm, I'm, I don't love it. I don't hate it so far. It's, it's a lot of like, it's not that I think three and four are like the high watermarks for, for comedy and video games or anything, but they tried a lot harder and they set up bits, you know, like there were punchlines to the things that happened in that game. And yes, there was definitely a fair amount of like ambient dialogue that was definitely just a bunch of cussing and acting like an asshole, but it was interspersed with stuff that felt like actually thought out gags. Yeah. You know, like, like Deckers die in three. Yeah. It's- is classic for a reason. I just remembered the the fake Normandy in four that is your home base. You know, yeah. like all the all the like gags around romance options with your crew in that game it's and great. stuff like like that. Like they, there was actual thought and there. It's it's not that I don't think they put any thought into this. Is that I just don't think the chops are there. Like there just isn't that sense of like how to make these characters endearing and also make it funny. They just haven't found that line. And so I'm I'm still, I would say, relatively early. I've got the saints together in the church. We're out now kind of exploring the open world, taking on missions. Uh, I just, it's just that lead up to all of the opening up, getting through that prologue. It's which too seems long. Like, it's too long and it kind of sucked all the wind out of, or air yeah. out of the room. That, that like, first that 90 room. minutes in particular is just janky shit. Like it's, it's bad. It's rough. Like that, the whole, the whole shooting sequence, the first like 30 minutes, which is nothing but you doing very basic third-person shooting, which apparently is all you're going to be doing for the entirety of the game. But it's not even open world at that point. The PMC mission yeah. where you're going through mm-hmm. the like Wild West town and stuff, mm-hmm. like, again, felt like a game from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And not a great one the either. Enti- the entire way through it. And you get some other, like you said, the tree. The Like every level or so, you get a new perk. And the first one I think you get is shove the grenade down somebody's pants and throw mm-hmm. them, which is like a fun thing. Then you got like a smoke bomb, and then you get, you start getting stuff that like I don't know if I'm ever even going to really use this. It I takes keep more, forgetting I even have them. It takes more time to do this. I mean, I do use you get a um, a meter that fills up that lets you do a special takedown with which gives you a some health back. So you get regenerating health. It's your health bar is in segments, and you get regenerating health into the segment you're in, and you can get more segments by doing that takedown. And it's on a it's on a meter. I truly hate the jumping onto the roof of the car and then back into the car switching because it takes too long. It feels mm-hmm. it's very unresponsive and like it's the shooting itself is not fun enough to make up for that fact. I so when Brad going back to the sensitivity stuff, I literally was in the menus looking for an assist that's just lock me on to just give me auto aim. I just want to at this point in the game. I just want to lock onto a target. I don't even want to. I don't even want to have to worry about headshots. I'll just do whatever, um, because I was just not having fun with the combat. I just wanted to get through the combat missions uh, as as quickly as I, I could. And you get they have a. I don't even know why they have this. I guess I get it. They have some characters that have a shielded thing. You have to break their shields. 
yellow health bar yeah guys. before yeah. you could do the takedown on them so you, you just wind up dumping a bunch of uh, bullets and stuff into them and then you could do takedowns have you there's two things there actually have you seen like a ton of the regular enemies have their health bars like flicker yellow i don't know if i notice like i've been getting that a lot and i saw it in some of those some of those bug compilation videos I was talking about as well. The yellow health bar enemies are the ones that have tons of health. Yeah. And like yeah. Second overshield. There's a shield basically. on them. Yeah. Right. Like I keep getting regular enemies where their health bar keeps turning yellow and then back to red. And I'm like, <sighs> does that mean they briefly have the shield or is this just a visual bug? Like it's, it's hard to tell. It right. Like it doesn't seem to change anything about fighting them, but it's just very confusing. The other thing is what the fuck is going on with the takedown animation or <laughs> the takedown trigger? What do you like, mean? I nine times out of ten there is no way to take down an enemy for me. Uh, well, it's a meter, so is the meter you have to wait for that meter to refill. So okay, so that because that's the only way to get your health back. And I wasn't yeah. sure. If, I actually went back and like played through the tutorial again to look at that little very basic tutorial prompt to see if there was something I was missing, and they barely explain anything so, about that process. So there's the meter in the center of the screen that is like. It, it it's the uh fleur de lis yeah it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the saints for the and so when that's filled up you could take down somebody and then it'll it'll percentage okay. back up and then you have to I do see. it again I only see. if they're if they but if they have that yellow health bar you can't do it on them yeah 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 uh, the, okay uh also you know like some when <laughs> it's weird i don't it's just weird decisions there are fights where there are vehicle or motorcycles around you in like a boss fight or something and it's just annoying tracking people on the motorcycles. Is you'd think you'd be able to blow them up easily, but sometimes you could just ride the motorcycle around like a boss encounter. It's just weird. Like at the end of that Mad Max scene, you go into this locked area and there are just motorcycles. You kind of speed around on. I don't know, man. It's just weird. It's peculiar, it's, man. It, it's there. Like I think there is sandbox fun to be had there, but I want more out of this. I expect more out of this. And I think it's. I think clearly the development team had a different idea than what you're buying for $60. This is not what they wanted to put out, but it is what they put out. And here it is. And it is broken. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it, for me, it might be not a thing that's like, they'll patch this up. Uh, this might be a thing that's like, if, you got it. There's a lot of road. You still got to lay for this thing. Yeah. This is like, you need like version two of this game to come out. This is like this. You is, got a Final Fantasy fourteen that shit. Like, kind of. That it may happen, it may not. But even if it does, like I feel like again, even if they fix the game entirely, like you're still left with what this game is, which is really not that. Impressive. Yeah, they're not going to rewrite it. Well, that's what I mean. Like if they if they got in there and they even tweak some uh, tweak some of how it controls or some of the mechanics, like you can get closer to a thing where you're like, I can have fun in this. Right now, I'm when I put it down to go play other stuff. I wasn't sure if I was going to pick it back up. We're going to play for the 360 open world games. I would rather go play right now. We're going to play it for the co-op. We're going to stream it and check that out. Um, uh, But uh, this seems like it should be right up my alley. I love those Saints Row games and it's like goofy and dumb, but I don't know, man, I'm bummed out. I wanted nothing more than to love a new Saints Row game. And I've just been absolutely crestfallen by it. hundred percent. Yeah. So, I, I know we're not the only ones out there, you know, buyer beware on this one right now. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing gets a price cut within the next couple of weeks. Like, I this don't know, man. Th- Game Informer said it's great, so. Did they? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, 
I haven't read a lot of official review outlet reviews, but I've talked to some people, uh, you know, just anecdotally that work in this industry, and I haven't found anybody who is like it's great. No yeah. one, no one in my circle has said anything nice about this game so far. Yeah. And I started hearing some of those rumblings earlier in the week, but I was still looking forward to it because I was like, oh, I could deal with how I, bad I, I could like, it possibly be. I, and I like jank in in games, and I don't know. It's, they it's found not. an. They finally made an open world that even Vinny cannot enjoy the jank in. I like breaking the game. I don't want the game to break me. Yeah, you know? like I'll, I'll do. I you know getting soft locked in a menu is not my idea of a good time. Nope. Uh, um, I Especially don't like when it, it keeps happening. <sighs> yeah, this really does just raise the question of where Volition goes from here. Uh, hopefully, they're working on this for a little while. Like, well, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I hope they Absolutely. get the resources to actually do what they need to do. Yes, but you know, in longer term, like it's a lot like Bioware, where again, it's like you've the story developer has shipped two pretty bad games in a row now. Yeah, like what is next? I don't like. Know. Is anyone going to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore? And I'm not sure. And again, I was playing on PS5. If you're wondering, I ran into a bunch of issues there. I also, yeah, so I playing I, on PC. I was playing on PC. Yeah, okay. I, I've played it on both. I started over on PC because I'm okay. an idiot. And <laughs> okay, you still had issues immediately. Immediately ran into a bug in the intro of the PC version. I did not see on PS5. Okay, so when I when I got out of the locker room at the very beginning mm-hmm. on PC, uh, the PMC locker room after the tutorial sequence, it spawned one of the giant PMC helicopters in, like right in front of me. <laughs> like, like you're supposed to go out and get in your car, your yeah. beat up old pickup truck, and they do a little late title card intro sequence thing. <laughs> and I walk out the door, and instead, here's this fucking giant helicopter like blocking my path. And I just got in the helicopter instead. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like, okay. You know, Sometimes. at least that's funny. Yeah. It, was, it was funny. I laughed. Yeah. Uh, it probably shouldn't have been that's that That's funnier than most of the jokes I've experienced so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's Saints Row. Barbieware on that one. Yeah. Um, that, uh, is a, that is a negatory for me. Yeah. That's, um, that's really tough. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We've got some other games to talk about. One that I'm actually enjoying that I just went up playing this week, too. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff, so stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point... I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some. Uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200. My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. 
Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back, and uh, I want to mention here quickly, because we were just talking about some of the buggy stuff that uh, they've got a long road ahead of them in Saints Row. Uh, Cult of the Lamb, I hit uh, some progression bugs that I have to put that game down for now. I hit this ritual bug where the game will just soft lock every time I do a ritual, and so that's a bummer. It'll save the progress of the ritual if I come back in, but it won't mark any ritual-related quests. Huh. as completed so i've got one or two quests now that i can't complete until that bug is fixed also only like six members or so of my cult will come into for into the church at any given time so anything that requires somebody to get married sacrificed they want to do a quest for you if they're not one of those people coming in i can't complete that quest either. that's crazy that yeah. sucks so i that's think like I think that'll get patched and fixed. They, they're they aware yeah. of it, uh, and they're working on it. And it's the console version in particular that seems like it is having the bug issues, right? Because I've been playing on PC, and I haven't run into anything yet. I think so. When I when I looked these things up to see if I'm alone here, I am not A, okay. and, and B, it seemed like PC people are not experiencing Yeah, you're not the only person I've heard say that the console versions are definitely a little more askew. Yeah, yeah I'm, so. I'm also on PS5, and hearing you talk about these bugs has made me not touch it until it gets a good couple of patches, because, like... It's also got performance issues, which are not dire, but they're, you know, they're pretty ugly, yeah, but yeah. like performance and even the soft lock, which sucks, like it's something you can kind of work around, right? But logic bugs in the simulation, which is kind of, the to whole me, thing. that's the actual point of the game. Yeah. Like the roguelike part of it is not good enough on its own. Like the running the cult, like doing the management sim stuff is the real reason to be there. So if that stuff is not functioning correctly, like it's pointless. It's a problem yeah. So, so they fix it. I'm really enjoying it. And I was actually playing through the soft lock stuff with the ritual until I got to the point where I couldn't complete a quest with it. And right. I, and that's when I said, you know what? You know, because time still moves on and, and stuff is happening. So I was like, until I don't, I'm not, it, if I'm not moving this thing forward, I'm going to stop. You know, if I'm, I'm not, uh, if the clock's moving forward, but I'm not getting credit for any of these quests, then uh, it's just going to mean my stuff is going to go down. So I, I'm putting that on hold. I still really like it. I, I have uh, two bosses defeated. I, I was like, oh, I'll finish it up. I'll see how far I can get. But then this got in the way. So I, I really like it, but I have to put it down. I Hopefully those patches come soon uh, for Cult of the Lamb. All right. We'll move on to Midnight Fight Express. Yes. Sure. Uh, another game that came out this week. Uh, this week? This week. End of last week? Yes. Okay, this week. Yes, a couple days ago. Uh, oh, right. Yes. Um. I like it a lot. Okay. It's, uh, it's Seems cool. Yeah. I, so I had not played any of it. Alex, you had played some. I played uh, the demo when that came out on Steam, and I found it to be okay. I wasn't sure about the combat system, though. It felt a little mushy to me, but I also didn't yeah. spend like a ton of time with it. My problem with it is I'm still trying to figure out if I need to get better at using all of the tools they give me or if, uh, or if it's, is it my fault or the game's fault? Mm -hmm. Because there, there is a tree or a couple of skills that you can drop points into. And I'm missing the, I'm finding that I, I want to mash in that game, but then I miss prompts. So, um, 
you know, I get locked into an animation and then a prompt will show up. And I'm like, oh, I missed this finisher prompt or, or something the, like that. I think you can tweak some of the stuff on that. I'm not sure. About, I should like, take a counter, look. Counter timing and stuff, but it's very much about like blocking at the last second is a perfect counter and yeah. then you can do a, a counterattack. But, but that prompt, the counterattack prompt is there for like a split second. Yeah. Or if, right. And if you're getting kind of swarmed, if you're switching targets, I think seems like some stuff you don't get invincibility frames while you're doing a finisher, so you might get knocked out of it. And So I, I need to get better, but it's uh, if you don't know, this game is kind of a um, mix, I would say, between Hotline Miami, Sifu, a lot of John Wick thrown in there. Yeah, the second they give you a gun is when I start feeling the John Wick stuff. It's, it's I'd say, like primarily a top-down beat-em-up. Yeah, yeah like kind of, of an isometric kind of- point of view. Kind of, kind of Hotline Miami, but more focused on melee combat than shooting. Yeah, um, with like, I, I'm not super deep in. There's like a pretty robust skill tree from what I've seen. It's it's but decent. It, it's, it, it's it's very much like you've got a combo, like you've got like light attacks that combo. You can hold down to do a heavy that'll break guard mm-hmm. on enemies. Um, a lot of environmental stuff. You're kicking yeah. and throwing boxes and yeah. bags like, and and like weapons. Chairs, chairs and barrels are throwables, and you yeah. can. Like those throw automatically, like as you pick them up, the game just makes you throw them at the nearest target automatically as a kind of a crowd control thing. And there's something I haven't really gotten down where like you can do that faster if you do it in the middle of a roll. Oh, I haven't gotten that down. Either. Yeah, that was part of the, that was part of the tutorial on that stuff is, is if you, if you kind of roll into like one of the chairs or uh-huh. pick upables, like it says like, oh, you'll do the whole thing faster. Like, I think it's just a way to get crowd control stuff into the thick of Okay. The enemy is a little a little I, quicker. I thought the thing said. Uh, I thought it said. I might. I mean, unless you're thinking of two prompts, um, kicking is faster than dodging. But maybe I misread. I thought it meant oh. like, oh, like if somebody's coming, if somebody's going to do an attack, kicking something at them to stun them might be faster than dodging. But you might be right, mm. and I just misread I, it. There's a I, lot I of re- there's a lot of text in that game. Yeah, they throw <laughs> a lot of combat technique stuff at you pretty fast. Even just like you have a you have this drone that is basically the uh story narrator uh following you around the whole time and they're constantly chattering. Uh mm-hmm. it's uh it's a lot. It's a little a little too much, I think. A lot, maybe a little too much. Kinda... Though I don't mind the tone of the writing. It's it's so this is very goofy. There's a lot of self-aware stuff, which might walk too far into the self-aware sometimes. But um, it's like one thing that I remember that I was like, oh, that's I mean, that's kind of funny. It's it's basically a Batman game where all the villains have taken over the town and you you come out and you have amnesia and you're fighting your way up the food chain to hopefully take the town back. You're kind of an unknown person but you have all these skills and you have amnesia and you're finding out why throughout the course of the game. But, uh, so all these crooks and criminals are out there. These gang members are out there just terrorizing the town. So one, uh, one encounter I ran up to, uh, your name is Babyface, And they were holding a, a, a weapon at a guy being like, we know your baby face. He's like, I wasn't bad. I'm not baby face. I was just out there blowing my leaves. I, I, I overheard you say you were going to blow some, put some bodies in the sewer. He's like, no, I was blowing leaves into the sewer. And I know that's bad for the environment and everything. I shouldn't be doing that, but I'm not baby face. And they're like, well, you may not be baby face, but that's going to fuck up our composting plan, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was like, you know, that's so like, we're going to kill you anyway. And I was like, you know, that's goofy that's the tone of this game. There's a lot of that nonsense, you know, of like, boy, baby face is dead. He'd never show up. Ah, fuck. He's here. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm okay with that. The two cops that are interrogating you are like caricatures done to 11, you know, of, uh, 
good cop, bad cop. Seems very self-aware. So I'm okay with a lot of the writing so far in the game. It's just um, the the only thing I would say is I just the combat feels like it's not flowing a lot of the times where it should be. I just don't know if I'm using the tools, like I said, appropriately at this point for uh, a lot of the encounters because they get on you. At first, it's very easy, and then uh, uh, people get on you. Not a big penalty for dying. You lose some points. You can keep moving forward in the story. You get graded on your performance. I don't think I've gotten above a C plus so far on any level, Uh, uh, but it seems like you're supposed to go back with your unlocked skill tree and replay some levels. So I can, yeah, you can, it's like 40, 40 plus levels, I think. And yeah, you can go back and earn more. Yeah. It's also a bunch of clothing to buy with money, which yeah. I th- assume is just cosmetic. I didn't see anything else. Seems like it looks like you can buy a full Batman outfit if you want, uh, or mm. unlock that with some, some skills. There are collectibles and levels like gold teeth, I think, uh, are the collectible in the level. It's fun and goofy. I'm having a good time with it. The levels are super short. They are, uh, uh, surprisingly short and then you kind of move on. So of the 40 levels, I think I've almost done 20 so far and I haven't played that, that much of it, but you kind of cruise through a level pretty quickly. There are boss encounters. I was on a, uh, jet ski for a while fighting a helicopter. It's neat. I like it. It's uh 20 bucks. It's also on game pass. If you, if you're subscribed to game pass. So I think that one's worth checking out. The music is fun. Uh, yeah, it's got a decent look to it. Yeah, it it, um, it flows pretty well. Nothing, nothing super special. I, I yeah, it seems like the main the main draw is if you want to get really good at the combat, mm-hmm. like it's it's very much a situational awareness, like managing combat flow kind of thing. Of like this could look very cool if you get very good at it, and like can kind of can get through fights without taking a hit, stuff like that. But yeah, that, that's not me. again takes a lot of like getting really good at the counter timing and knowing when to break enemies guard and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, just learning the systems, which I need to do better, uh, a better job of. I Any game where you can throw a knife and it's a one-hit kill, like kind of like Hitman, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a fan of. So Yes. You can another, p- another good one. Another good one is like once you shoot out a, a gun's ammo, it also becomes a melee weapon. Like yes. You can, you can throw the pistol after you shoot all the bullets in the pistol. Yeah, so there's some really neat stuff in there. Midnight Fight Express out now on, I think, everything. No idea how it runs on, let's say, a Switch, but... Um, mm. It, it is out there. All right. Let's move into another one here. How about some uh, John Madden football? Yes, Madden 23 is out as of last week. Uh, this is the one where they put Madden on the cover because he passed away uh, last year. And right out of the gate, I'll say, I think they do a good job with the paying tribute to Madden aspect. The opening okay. like tutorial game is basically... Madden All Stars, you know, like and two versions of Madden coaching on either side, and the the, huh. the commentators like it's like the <laughs> the very young Madden when he started out, oh. and like the the later in his career successful with the Raiders Madden. Okay, I was I was just envisioning two identical Madden models with like one in a blue jacket, one in a red jacket. Uh, <laughs> it's not that far off because his career as a coach was not that long, so mm. it's not like you see a huge difference, but. Uh, you know, and the, the commentators are giving you some like facts about his career and kind of how he got started and, you know, like what his successes were and all, and, you know, how he was innovative in, in the commentary booth and all that kind of stuff. They have some audio clips in there of like some of the early games, like lines that he read, which are very compressed, but nonetheless, they're there. Is it, is it a, is the game in the game? I don't know how even how to phrase this. Are the commentators in the game world saying it like he has passed away? Yes, they are talking about him like he's a legend. They don't specifically say... I, I don't remember a line where they say he specifically died. 
Okay. But they meant they just they want to talk about his legendary history in football. Okay. Okay. So which I think on. is a perfectly suitable way to do it. Is Madden like more well known for being a commentator than a coach? I mean, for a whole generation of people, absolutely. Like our generation, oh. definitely. Or, or maybe not well known as it's not like was he a better commentator than he was a coach? I guess is what I'm saying. Or did he break more ground as a commentator than he did as a coach? I, I think it's I think they're pretty well balanced. Like he was a very good coach, and he was one of the only people on earth who could handle Al Davis, uh, the owner of the Raiders, who is a legendary weirdo. Uh, and like Steinbrenner esque in his easy mood shift from you're the greatest thing in the world to I think you suck, you're fired. Mm. Um, and he, you know, he got some very good years out of those Al Davis years and won championships. And but at the same time, yes, as a commentator, I think he was one of the the most likable color commentators of all time. And the Telestrator stuff was definitely an innovation. The Turducken. You know, is certainly uh, an innovation of of sorts, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, John Madden is a legitimate legend. I think yeah. they pay reasonably nice tribute to him in this game, and they also pay tribute by making a game that is not dog shit. I will say, this, oh, good. This, year, this year's Madden is. I'm gonna not. I'm gonna come right up to the line of calling it good because I'm not sure I've played enough of it yet to say definitively this is a good Madden. Okay, but it is significantly better than last year's game. We have a tentative good Madden. Yeah, and a lot of it is not necessarily the new changes. Like they've made, they added a new meter system, to like two different meter systems for the passing game now, which are all optional. You can just go back to last year's passing if that's what you want. Uh, they've they've made some changes to franchise mode. Uh, they also made some stuff to fa- changes the face of the franchise, which is like your create a character career mode. How is I, that? I don't. So that's the mode I don't usually play very much of. Okay. Uh, but I've heard it's 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 better. Like like people were were more into it this year. Uh, the franchise stuff, the new scouting systems they've added, things like that. I I think are fine. They're not really what I was looking for, but they feel more realistic. But the main thing is that the on the field gameplay just feels better. Like it yeah. does not feel as janky. I have seen a few bugs. None of them have been game breaking. Uh, but it feels like in general. They have fixed more things than they left broken. Is there a story mode in this one? That's, that's, you, that's the, the face career of the franchise mode. thing. So yeah. is it so, like cutscene stories? I didn't really play last year's. I my understanding is that they sh- they got a little bit away from the straight up Friday Night Lights storytelling okay. and or just a little bit more like this is the career of an NFL player. So they're not trying to. I, I don't think they're trying to wring as much drama out of it. Okay. But again, okay. I have not played much of this year's either. I I didn't really mess with it because it's just not a, the mode I'm there for. Madden could be good, is what I'm hearing. All I'm saying is, if you have stayed out of the last few because you've heard they were kind of messy, and they were, uh, this one seems l- less messy. I would say, you know, like wait to see how the next week or two shakes out as people start hammering more and more on that game. But right now, it feels like it's in a better state. Cool. Who's on the cover? Madden. John Madden. John Madden. It is John <laughs> right. Madden. Um, and that's who it should be, damn it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Because guess what? They yeah. are never going to do this again. They are never going yeah. to pay tribute to John Madden again because there is not going to be another opportunity for them to do it. The man's name is on the box. Yeah. He's on the box. Just like uh, Tom Clancy, baby. He's he is right. more Madden he is more branding for a football game than he is man. Uh all right, Madden NFL twenty three. Yes, 23. 23. Amazing. Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, Alex? 
I mean, we're still in preseason, so I don't know yet, but uh, I have good money on the Bills being at least in the hunt this year. Okay. Great. Beyond that, I really couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, go Bills. Go Bills. All right, let's get into some of the games that we didn't necessarily play, but we've seen. Brad Shoemaker. Uh-huh. What is you? up you with Pentiment? 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 Did you know the word Pentiment is just derived from the Italian word Pentimento? Oh my gosh. Pimento? You know? It's delicious, Pentimento. Do you, know what, do you know what Pentiment is? Is it some kind of... Is it... Okay. It's like, is okay. it like Pentatent? This is no, this is like the so Pentiment Man shall pass. Does you it have five never, in it? You will never figure out what this is. You're right, I won't. Is it, it a is, fifth of something? Okay, you're familiar with the kind of medieval practice of like, like art pieces, like paintings would frequently get painted over in various ways. Okay, yes. Pentiment is like the, the re- revealing of what was underneath the. Okay. Like, for sure. various reasons, like the outer layers come off and you're able to discover what was underneath. Okay, I love in it. the artwork. Yeah. Uh, Pentiment is also that obsidian narrative narrative adventure. That's what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Like, reflexively, I start to say obsidian RPG because mm-hmm. that's all they make. Um, but they were pretty quick to say this is not an RPG. It's got a few RPG elements, but it is like the least RPG game that we have made. Okay. Um, so I, 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 went, I, I attended a virtual preview session. I was really hoping they would play the game in front of us because mm. I really just wanted to see it in action. If you remember this from God, what presentation was that? Ex- oh, it was the Xbox. Xbox. It was the Xbox showcase. The, the naughty three Xbox showcase. Um, it's the, it's the 2d narrative adventure that looks like medieval artwork. Yeah. Like illuminated. Directed by Josh Sawyer. It's like a, it's like 13 people. It's like a tiny, mm. tiny little skunk works project. Anyway, they did not play it for us, which is what I was hoping to see. If you're at Gamescom, they do have a playable demo. You can go play it there. But this was more of a just watch this presentation of slides and get a bunch of information about it. Um, it seems cool. It seems interesting. Uh, it sets, I mean, if you want it, you want historical details. What do you want? What do you want to know? Um, what do you do in it? Mm-hmm. It's set in the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. Okay. In the, I believe, 16th century, I want to say. All right. So again, they didn't. They, we saw some very short, like 20 second clips of gameplay. I think it's it is almost entirely talking to people and making decisions around how you talk to them, and in a few cases, like decisions about whether to do things they want you to do or not. But it is very, very primarily. If you look at footage of it, it is mostly walking around talking to people. There are a few mini games. Um. Is the conceit that it is in some kind of manuscript or no. okay, no. okay? That's so just that's what like it, the art style. That was like half of the presentation is how obsessive they're being about the presentation and the art details and stuff, which I found amazing from a like obsessive history nerd perspective. Not not me being one, but the developers being obsessive history nerds. They also have like three history PhDs also contributing to this game. <laughs> um, but they got very deep into like. There are kind of two main art styles that work in this game. There is the, well, what's the term? Illumination, like the manuscript illumination. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like around like around the fringe. Yes. The illustrations around like, you know, the Bibles that were, that were made for rich patrons and stuff like that. A bunch of bored monks who have to sit there. Right. Yeah. So there's that art style that's more illustrated. And then there's also, I think, I think it's, it's a type of woodcutting is the other one. It's like an early modern woodcuts, I believe. Okay. 
called it. And so there are characters in the game that are represented by both. Like, or not, or Italio, each character is like... It's, it's, what is that woodcutting thing called? It's something like Alio? I don't think they gave okay. us a, <laughs> a... name for that one? A fancy a fancy term for that one. But okay. like, it's it's kind of really interesting. I mean, it's like the kind of detail that if I, you didn't go to this presentation, you might never notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. But characters, depending on their disposition, will be represented by one or the other of those. So there's mm. like, like they gave an example of like, there's a nun who is 100% in that illumination style because she is from this monastic world of manuscripts with fancy illustrations around them, that, you know, religious texts and stuff. The character you play is more of a woodcut style because he is a an educated humanist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so he has more of a modern art style, modern for the period. So those styles will, will be on the screen at the same time? Yeah, they flat out showed us like scenes from the game where characters in both styles were interacting with each other. It's just a minor detail. Um, <laughs> they had like two full slides just about their font rendering technology. Oh, boy. Again, this was an amazing presentation <laughs> from the standpoint of you have put a, an enormous amount of obsessive detail into this game. Um, so... Gosh, I'm trying to think like, so their font rendering, they have built like a stroke system. So the letters all are all drawn in by hand as they print out. Oh my goodness. As the, as the characters talk, uh, there is like ink drying and bleed on the lettering. Like real time. Yes. Like they showed us some, some slowed down examples of the letters being drawn in. And then you can see the ink sort of dry and like bleed out. And there's like gaps in some of the types of script. Also, there's like, I don't know how many different types of lettering in this, but a lot. Is is so, any of a gameplay relevant? No, I don't think. Well, I don't. Not that I could tell. But okay. so again, like uh, characters like that nun will speak, and it is very like intricate, baroque-looking mm. kind of religious script. And then the characters that are more modern in their thinking have more of a humanist type of script. Okay. There are characters that are involved in like printing that basically basically speak in printing press. Okay, like you can see the letters being printed backwards in their in their speech bubbles right. and then flipped around. Huh. Oh my gosh, it's absurd. And and so they also talked a lot about the accessibility features, so you can turn all that stuff off <laughs> if you're having a tough time reading any and of like, it. Like, and you can switch to much more readable modern fonts if if you don't want to deal with that stuff. Hmm. Um, I just thought it was an amazing amount of detail to pour into both your game and also your presentation on your game. Seriously. Do- um. So do you have like direct control of a character? Or you- yeah, you are a character. Uh, Andreas, I believe, is the is the character you're playing. It's set over a period of like 25 years. Okay. And it's set in like a village and an abbey near the village. So you're interacting with different religious figures of this abbey or monastery and also just the regular townspeople in the town that is nearby. It's it it. There's a series of murders. That's the crux of the game. Mm, Isn't there always? Murders? Yeah. So it is you basically playing through a couple of decades as this character experiencing these murders and like, you know, you're not a flat out detective, but it seems like you're involved in trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, the name of the rose. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's yeah. kind of what I was thinking when they first started talking about this thing. <laughs> and it's like, you, there's no character creator and no character sheet exactly, but you do like, like the example they gave was like, you'll, you'll have conversations with people and you define your character that way. Like they'll be like, what did you study at university? And it'll be this list of like different options and like which one you answer becomes part of your character's background. And then that has influences later on, like what choices you have to make and stuff like that. Did you get the sense from the presentation that this is a game that they, you're supposed to play through multiple times to get multiple, to get yes, the, absorb the yes. whole thing? 
multiple endings for sure. Okay. That was a, that was a major point that, okay. they, that they mentioned was, you know, it, it seems like in, in it's like narrative makeup is very much an obsidian game. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, but not a lot of stats. You're not like raising your level. Right. And dealing with like numbers and skills as, as much. It's more, it, it seems like the gameplay is almost entirely story based, conversation based. Like defining your character and the story by the choices you make. Yes. Okay. Not dropping a point into charisma. No, definitely not, yeah. not that I could tell. Again, okay. we, we only saw very brief snippets of the right. actual game. A lot of this was just kind of communicated in the slides. That's, um, it seems really neat and interesting yeah. and, and unique. I'm intrigued. Yeah. That's this like, year, right? That's November. Yeah. That's November. I want to say, um, yeah, like just the, the focus on like history and art history and like mm-hmm. one of the, there was a Q and a and somebody asked them about religion, you know, it was like, Oh, is this being written from a more secular perspective? And they were like, well, no, because there kind of was no secular perspective right. at that time. Like everyone was steeped in religion in one way or another. Uh, like this area was like, like unbelievably Catholic at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, it seems, it seems very well informed and very, again, just kind of offbeat and not, not the usual fare. I had looked this up. Um, it, cause they have pre-orders on, uh, I want to say they're on steam, but, uh, yeah, it must've been on steam cause it was 20 bucks. I assume this will be game pass. Yeah. It's is, yeah, they're first party now. So yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, uh, it seems novel. Yeah, it'll 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 live and die by the quality of the writing because it basically is all writing from what I can tell. But like, you know, they've got an extremely good track record there by and large. Yeah, I'm not sure what that team Um, is these days. You know, like it's been Obsidian's been around for a while. I mean, they've expanded a little bit, I think, since the Microsoft buyout. So so Sawyer was working on the Pillars of Eternity games for Mm -hmm. years and years before this is what he's been doing. But again, this is like 12 people or something, 13. (laughs) They started with two. All right. So it's not it's not a big slice of Obsidian. It is very much like, and I think I think they said most of the developers are pretty senior. Okay. So it was it was just like, hey, let's get a bunch of or, or not a bunch, but a few experienced people together and just make a passion project. It, it and ha- like they they all but said this, and like I have been thinking for a while, this is like kind of a nice thing about studios being under the Microsoft roof and Game Pass being what it is. Like they all but said, like actually actually he flat out said this is not a game we could have like shopped to a publisher and gotten signed. Sure. Like, like it, we're, we're, we're fairly confident. No publisher would have taken a financial risk on something like this, but at, you know, being at a company with the resources of Microsoft and with the goals they have for getting content onto game pass, like this was a much easier sell. Yeah. And it's, it's super cool to me that stuff like this could be getting greenlit in that capacity. It really reminds me of something that, 10 years ago, maybe less than that, or, or, or maybe fewer, uh, is um, Double Fine would have put out in, mm-hmm. in, the, in kind of the days when you were in getting like the Amnesia stacking. Fortnite oh, era. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Or, yeah, like that era when they were just after Brutal Legend, basically. Yeah, smaller. Like, we can't, we cannot bet the future of the company on one game anymore. We're just going to start cranking stuff the out. The massive Chalice era. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Like this, we're, we're just trying, seeing what sticks, you know, just trying some new sure. stuff out. Uh, yes, and this, now they're this, both this, in the same house, so Double, double right. Fine and uh, Obsidian. Yeah, this does feel like that era, actually. And that's uh, neat. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that I hope it that looks really is, cool. Is the thing? Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny they did they did not say the words Disco Elysium at all, but like when this game leaked a few months ago before it was announced, like that was the comparison you were seeing in all the leaks was like, oh, it's inspired by that. So maybe mm-hmm. that might be a reference point for you. Okay. Um, uh, pen- again, again, they did not make that comparison. Pentiment. Pentiment. Yes. Uh, this, Pentiment. This November, Pentiment. if all, all goes well, we'll see. It would take it day by day. 
Uh, before we jump into our next break here, let's uh, let's wrap up the game stuff. Uh, Alex, you saw some Splatoon three. I played some Splatoon three. Oh my gosh! And what did you I think? I put hands on a damn switch. Is what I did. Oh my gosh! You had a physical. I went to event. a physical location and played event. a physical switch. Shit. Uh, yeah. Oh my Where gosh. was it? Was it, it was in New York? Room? It, was in, it was in Manhattan. It was like one of the event spaces that other I've I've gone to other gaming events at that venue before. So did you have a Danish yeah. chicken on a stick? Yeah. What'd you no, get? they had chicken, sodas chicken and coffee. That was pretty much it. Okay, okay. that's uh, that's very Nintendo. Yeah. Did they uh, give you your own Switch handheld or was it on a TV? Uh, it was attached to a TV. They gave me a Pro controller. Okay. All right. Yeah. So tell me about Splatoon Three. I'm I'm, <laughs> and don't say I don't want you ever to say. Have you played Splatoon, or it's a Splatoon ass, Splatoon, or reference Splatoon 2? Explain to me. <laughs> you're making a face like you can't do it. Explain to me what Splatoon 3 is. Go ahead, Alex. Splatoon <laughs> 3 is a direct sequel <laughs> to Splatoon 1 and 2. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Splatoon ass Splatoon. God damn it. <laughs> okay, good, good. Look. <laughs> they've said as much and the thing is like it this event was very much like hey do you want to get hands on this thing and the way they framed it was yes there is new stuff in this game obviously uh-huh. there are new maps there are new weapons uh there is a new mode that is basically a card battling mode though i they did not show that to us they just briefly alluded to it i think it's like a mini game all right uh but the stuff that they did in splatoon one and two is here like it is the turf war is still the main multiplayer mode the Salmon Run is there from Splatoon 2, and they have made it so that it is no longer on some weird schedule. You can just play it any time you want. That is okay. the wave-based co-op mode. Right. And then there's a new campaign, which is, you know, it, it's set in the future from where the other two games were. And I think it has some different antagonists. But it feels like the campaigns in those first two games, where it is a series of puzzle levels with combat. I like that stuff. That's yeah, my no, that part. stuff is all really good. Yeah. And what they showed here felt very much of that kind. And... So I played all three of those modes. I did not play the, the the card battling thing, but I played you know some salmon run. I played uh you know a few rounds of the the turf war, which is my favorite part of that game. Mm. And they've had a few levels of the campaign that you could play as well. And it all feels pretty good. Like it's all it it's, it was pretty much hey they made another Splatoon sequel and it still feels really fun. Did they highlight any new weapons? There were a couple. Uh, there's one that is basically like uh, a windshield wiper, which you kind of use to splat, uh, you know, like you'd soak up ink and then kind of splat it back at, you know, out in the environment, sort of like a sword. Okay. Uh, there's one I didn't I didn't play as, but I guess there's one where you can actually suck up your opponent's ink and then fire it back as your own ink. Okay. Uh, there's like a Ew. vacuum cleaner weapon. You clean uh, up the clean up the map a little bit. Yeah, but I mean it's the same kind of range of weapons. Of there are melee, there's machine guns, there's pistols. You know, like okay. a bunch of different vari- variations on that. And it's, you know, it seems like they're leaning even harder into the character customization aspect uh, of you know, kind of building out your squid team the way you want. And uh, uh, are the same announcers back, or are they different? I think they said Callie and whoever the other one is uh, are not as prominent in this one, so it might be some different announcers for the story. They said I, I don't know if they're not in it at all, but I didn't see them, and they seem to like they implied that maybe they are not as much a part of this story. Did you see see the new hub? And is it a different hub? They did so? not show the hub. Is the thing that 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 part was not really in the demo that we played. Did you get a sense of, like, is the setting different? Because, like, with the first 
trailers they were showing of this made it seem very much like in a desert or I think there are like, different environments like there okay. it's again it is set after whatever events happened in Splatoon 1 and 2 it is supposed <laughs> yes, to be in the, the future from that the rich the rich fiction Dude, of Splatoon there what is the- a weirdly deep lore to those games yeah. that really only mm. kind of surfaces in the background but like again this game these games take place in a post apocalypse where humanity has been wiped out and squids have evolved into the new sapient form of life but there's who are the antagonists? There's like octop- they're, octopus. They're octolings. Yes, octolings. it is squid okay. versus octopus violence. Okay, okay. And it's all the ink. And can <laughs> can you play as an octoling? I think there is a way to play as the octolings in multiplayer. Oh okay. no, okay. I've done it. What'd you do? God damn it! You, re- you dug into the lore, didn't you? I'm on a fucking wiki now. You're fucked, man. I'm sorry. Let's see. All right. Section one. Prior to the Great Turf Wars, 12,000 years ago. Uh Section 1.1. The Mollusk Era, 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Listen. We're headed there. It's not... What's the... Not carcinization? What's the crab thing? No, that's carcinization. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Carcinization. Yeah, this is this... This is whatever the squid version of that is. I mean, the squids will eventually evolve into crabs, so... (laughs) They're just on their way. They're a little closer than maybe... Uh, So, okay. I I mean, it's what I thought, right? It's more Splatoon. Yeah, it's more Splatoon. Yeah, like... But, like, is is there anything very significantly different? I mean, again, it? I think it's just the additions. And, you know, they've, like I said, making Salmon Run available all the time, I think, is was actually a big ask that people mm. from Splatoon 2 had. Because it used to just be on a schedule. Like, there were certain times you could play Salmon Run, which was a very, yeah. very Nintendo way of approaching it for no good reason. <laughs> uh, um, God, what was the, the, yeah, that's like your a core PvE co-op mode not being there all the time is not good. What was the, um... God damn it, the name for their, like, are you ketchup or mustard? Like, that whole... Oh, the Splatfests. Splatfests. Yeah. Like, that stuff was cool. Like, if you're going to do timed stuff, like, that was neat. And they're they're definitely doing more of those. Can I draw things on my Switch? Probably. Po- I mean, I don't... The, the, I, I mean, obviously, they don't have, like, the sketch notes the way the Wii U had, but, like, yeah. I, there must be some version of... I don't remember if 2 had it or not, but... Yeah. Oh. Man, now I need to find a list of all the Splatfests and what one. I'm a weird. I'm weird in that I spent way more time playing Splatoon One on the the Wii U than I ever did Splatoon Two on the Switch. And it's not because I thought Splatoon Two was bad. I just wasn't as into it. Mm. Shit, man. There are a lot. There are multiple Splatoon. There are competing Splatoon wikis. Here I am on Inkipedia. Oh, These boy. games are very popular, which I uh. I think I kind of perceived. But did not fully because again the one I played the most of was a Wii U game which nobody had. Mm-hmm. A Wii U, yeah, a Wii U is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, hang on, I'm sorry, I was so busy looking at Splatfests. What was the Wii U game? Splatoon One was a split, was a Wii U game. Was it really just? Hang on, really? Yes. Is my memory going? Twenty fifteen, man. No, you're thinking Splatoon Two on the Switch because it's pretty much God. in my mind the same thing Splatoon as Splatoon One was a Wii U game. It was. It? it was Holy one of the shit. last Wii U games before the Switch came out. I swear to God, man, the last seven or so years. Uh, all right. I've, I've, got, I've got it yeah. here. It was not ketchup and mustard. It was ketchup and mayo. Oh. I think you know what won. Ketchup. Ketchup. Nope. What? The correct choice won. <laughs> what are some of these? Flight versus invisibility. Superpower. What would you take? Ah, uh, Probably f- 
flight? I don't know. I take invisibility. Might. What if that flight runs out? What if you lose that? Invisibility no. really only has like malignant uses. Like there's well, nothing. True. There's nothing good about invisibility. That's true. It well, does seem more practically about? beneficial though. If you're at a, if you're at a public event and you're like, oh my god, how many times you just been like, I wish I could just turn invisible and uh, vanish for a little bit, and then you could be like, I can go. I can go to a, like a a public event and be like. Hey, how's it all going? I'll be right back. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Turn invisible. Let me. Unfortunately, I hear all the people then talking shit about me, and it ruins my life. But yeah, what? Let me rephrase. I would trust more of the human population with the power of flight than oh, I yeah. would the power of yes. visibility. Oh, I would yeah. go so far as to say that uh, 99.8% of the human population. I would not trust with the power of invisibility. Oh yeah, I mean either way, it's both just gonna it, the the porn industry is really just gonna yeah. benefit because it's just gonna be people flying and having sex or two invisible people having sex. Yeah, so it's really what it's gonna come down to. And you Actually, know, in the end, the only way people- to really determine this is to have a battle of squid teens, like who can get the most ink on the environment. Uh. You should tune it to my new porn uh, website where it's just, it is really just 100% footage of two invisible people having sex. It, trust me, it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, <laughs> it might just look That'll like That'll be 49 95 please. <laughs> you might just look like an empty bedroom, but trust me, it's really I'm just definitely super- not just playing a tape of fucking, you know, behind the green door that I had, like, and just, uh, it's just the audio from that facing a couch. <laughs> You're going to have to trust me. Uh, anyway. Uh, yes, Splat, Splatfest. Anyway, they're making Splatoon 3, and I'm, I'm excited about it because I, it's been just, I didn't play enough Splatoon 2 to get, like, really burned out on it, so I think I'm actually ready to get back into one of those games seriously. Sure, it feels like the time is right. Yeah. This is, um, September of this year. Yeah, so. it's actually, it's, it's like a few weeks away. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're right, we are at the end of August. Yeah, it's, yes, it's almost September. Oh my gosh. Um. Like, games... Such uh, as they are are coming out. That Last of Us remake is almost out. Splatoon three, obviously on the Switch, September 9th. Catch it. Go get it. Catch it. Bucks. Catch it. Catch up. Or Mayo. Mayo, I would have voted for Mayo. Uh not me. That that's gonna do it for the games. We're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna come back with the news, which spoilers, it's gonna be a lot of Gamescom stuff. We saw a lot of Gamescom stuff. So let's take a quick break here and we'll see you on the other side. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just used ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. What what are you doing on that vacation there? Hmm? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's fast enough. That's what they all say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi and they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing 
says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we are back. And we're in the news section now. Now. Now, now. Now, now. The news. It, uh, the Gamescom happened. We talked over it. We saw it. It happened. Jeff Keighley was there, I believe, in person yeah. in Germany. Yeah. Lo- Still lo- happening. Still happening. Show, show, I think, is through the weekend. I think it's usually five days, right? Something yeah. Like that. So I guess opening, specifically opening we saw. Live. Yeah. Opening Night Live, which was two hours, pretty packed full of. Uh, ONL. Uh, <laughs> he straight yes. up said ONL. Uh, like it's Total Request Live or something. Uh, two hours pretty much full of stuff we knew, some new announcements, release dates getting out there, but a, a decent amount of stuff. So where do we want to start with it? Highlights. Highlight, Alex, for you. What's what's the thing you saw and you're like, oh, that's okay. I got some of that. I mean, I got one if he doesn't have yeah, right, honestly, honestly, I think Honestly, I think they're making a new dual sense was the biggest news out of this whole thing. You might be right. Let's, let's hit it. Let's talk There's about the dual, dual sense edge. Dual sense, yeah, that that thing seems like their answer to the Elite controller. Definitely from Microsoft. Kind of exactly that. <laughs> yeah, programmable control sets by profile that you could swap out. Mm-hmm. Uh, customizable buttons. You can only swap button functions around. You can disable buttons. It's got back triggers, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, trailer, like the, the paddles. A trailer they put out was not as revealing as I would have liked necessarily. A lot of these shots are kind of hard to make out what's what, but yeah, it looks like it's got paddles on the back. Um, what else? Physical, like physical button stick replacements, right? Like yeah. The- so yeah. So you can replace the, the stick caps like on the elite, I think for feel I'm guessing and maybe height as well. Yeah. The, the way more interesting thing to me as someone who did an entire podcast episode about how bad analog stick drift is these days, uh-huh. you can place, you can replace the entire stick module on these right. things. It's Presumably, up. they will be selling in like the, that's the entire the whole stick apparatus, the everything, just as like a plug in drop in replacement. Which a is an acknowledgement that that stick design is fundamentally broken and is never going to get fixed, at least not anytime soon. But b is like a nice, especially assuming this thing is kind of expensive, which yeah. it probably will be. It's like a nice little guarantee that hey, I can get this thing and not worry about stick drift, which is inevitable on every analog stick ever. If you use it long enough, because I can just get new ones. So I was talking to Alex before the podcast about that, about, hey, would you get one? Would you get one? And my big thing was, I've gone through so many controllers because of analog drift that if that's an issue here, I don't know if I want to plunk down $250 plus for a controller. You know, like, uh, you know, I assume this thing will be. Yeah, we, we, we have no idea, but yeah, we, we don't we don't have any idea what the price will be. I think what's the elite these days is like hundred eighty. I'm, 179, I think, is what it was. I don't know if it still 179? is. 179? Yeah. I don't have a Series 2. I've got the old one. I do, too. 
uh yeah 179 still okay. for the elite the elite series too so like probably maybe in that ballpark i would guess i i need another dual sense i don't know if i want to pay that much money for a new dual sense even if it is customizable yeah i mean yeah, this thing is it's got the haptics custom, in it customization stuff is cool it's not really for me i'm not not what you would describe as a power gamer mm-hmm. i um, would describe you that way Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's cool for people who want that or need it, mm-hmm. you know, for accessibility reasons, but uh, not a huge draw for me. But yeah, the, being able to swap the sticks out, the peace of mind of knowing you can probably use this controller for the entirety of the PS5's lifespan is kind of mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I I know people really like the the changing the throw on the triggers, too. Like, that's a thing. I don't know if it's for me. I never got an Elite. Uh. I've got four PlayStation 5 controllers already. I think I might be good. Maybe, you know, if one went and this thing came in at a what I thought was a competitive price, maybe I would go in for it, but I'm just so afraid of it. Something going... These controllers are so complicated now. Yeah. That uh, I'd be afraid of something going on it, and then you're kind of... It's nice that you can replace the, the analog stick modules. Yeah. That, that's just huge. Just in case you're wondering, like... Doing it yourself on a regular dual sense, not trivial at all. No, no. I tried. There's like there's something like there's something like fourteen solder points or something, and you have to desolder the old one off. Yeah, before you put the new one on, it's it's a lot. And the they they do those um, film circuit boards now that you have to be careful with in there. It's it's not fun. Uh, I think that even the PS4 controllers had those film things in there. It's like not user friendly. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's not meant to be cracked open. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Joy-Cons where it's like one ribbon cable and you just screw a new stick in. Uh, even the even the Xbox controllers w- were a little easier. The, the other problem is, you know, you go to get a replacement analog stick and you, you're kind of in a crapshoot there, whether you're going to get a good one or not. It's not like you're getting, well, when I would get them, it's not like you're getting OEM or you're getting, you know, um, hey, this is the official PlayStation brand. You're getting... Hang on now. <laughs> are, you, are you impugning the good name of Starco Industries? <laughs> I would never... But I'm just saying. Okay. It sounds you look like at, you did. When you look I at the not. reviews and they're like, you know, and they have three stars and you're like 50% of the people are like dead on arrival. Yep. Yep. One of the four didn't work, but hey. Yeah, exactly. They were six bucks altogether. You, know, you never know. Also, the brand super doesn't matter because they're all out of the same factory anyway. <sighs> but maybe the QA, maybe you just got the ones that didn't pass QA. True. You know? It's true. One of those might be a reseller of the cast off parts. That's right. You don't know. I, either way uh yeah it's neat that's a really interesting announcement that was along with the pikachu car very unexpected the pikachu mm-hmm. car didn't do it for me so uh that's the dual sense edge right edge. Dual, dual sense edge mm-hmm. dual sense edge uh one that a game that i didn't think i was gonna see but i was very happy to see was moving out too uh it's not this year but it i love moving out i think it's a super fun game great couch co-op game Really happy they're making a sequel to it, but we're going to play the heck out of that when that comes out, I am sure. It's basically overcooked, except moving instead of cooking, is that correct? Yeah, kind of a little less, uh, I found it a little less fail state than overcooked, because you are able to, there's no timers as such, you know, there's score and and things like that, but overcooked, if you're playing with people who um, are not that good at games, or not worried about the, you can fail that pretty easily, and and stop progression, this, this. Moving out, I didn't have that much problem, as much problem with. Anything else to call out here? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. 
a lot of stuff, but I nothing a, like super mind blowing. I got a couple here. I mean, yeah. I thought the the first trailer they showed for this new game where winds meet was kind of neat. Uh, mm. It is a wuxia style uh, open world RPG from a company called Everstone Games. Uh, and it just, I mean, look, it had a vibe, and that vibe is like yeah. you know classic wuxia cinema. <clears throat> yeah, it, there were spots where spots where like some of the environments looked like they were lifted straight out of ghost of tsushima they're definitely going but for then, that that visual style of the environment yes right but then but then like yeah like you said like the second i saw the character running on water mm-hmm. actually i saw it once and i was like wait did i just see what i thought i saw and then you see it more fully and it's like oh you could just run across water in this game yep. oh you can run straight up walls in this game i see what they're doing this seems like it might be kind of awesome yeah i mean it's 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 pulling from from some good stuff there it is set in the uh the 10 kingdoms era of ancient china so I don't know. Like, I, I like that kind of stuff. And yeah. It does feel like the, the Chinese game development, like, scene is starting to, you know, like, make encroachments as far as, like, you know, bigger games, more, like, giant open world console and PC experiences. You know, oh, yeah. like, that stuff seems like, that 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 development seems, seems like it is ready to kind of break out and do more stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think Gen- Genshin Impact was definitely the turning point there. Yeah. Of, like, oh, God, this thing launched huge. It's, mm-hmm. like, one of the biggest games in the world now. Uh, another one that I'm just gonna say I was pleasantly surprised by. I not really any like you know notion toward its quality necessarily, but just I can't believe they're doing this. Is a killer clowns from outer space multiplayer game <laughs> uh-huh. from the people who made, or at least some of the people who made the Friday the Thirteenth game. Yep, I. That must have been a pretty cheap IP to acquire, is all I'm going to say. And that is not because I don't like Killer Clowns. I think it is a fun movie. But boy, that is not the first or second or third or fourth thing I would have necessarily expected someone to make one of those out of. I wonder who approached whom on this one. You know, yeah. it's like, like our killer, whoever has a Killer Clown stake was like, would you do something with this? Or was a developer like, I love Killer Clowns. Let's go look them up. I feel like once you've made Friday the 13th, you can kind of just shop around and be like, hey, I did this for this, even though that game wasn't, like, spectacular, <laughs> like, it did enough. I bet there they could be like, hey, you can take some meetings with these horror people that have not put out any movies in this franchise in 35 years. Ridiculous. Weird. Just absolutely ridiculous. And they showed, uh, you know, some more of the Telltale Expanse game. Nothing from the Star Trek game, but they did show more of that, and it looks like a telltale adventure set in the the world of the expanse which is pretty much what i was expecting so that could speaking be of, speaking of telltale i have no particular affinity for this but that new tales from the borderlands yes. that was rumored is in fact happening although it sounds like gearbox is making it themselves yeah i don't know is what's going on correct? there uh i think it is some of the people that worked on the original tales from the I borderlands think that's right. but yeah. oh okay but they may be doing it in house and so tales from the borderlands i'll say it again is the best Borderlands thing. Yeah, I think there are like quite a few people who agree with that. I mean, it feels like it's almost by accident, but it does happen. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's it's a really, really goofy, well-told story, which is not really what I necessarily come to Borderlands for. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I can't say that demo or trailer they showed did, like, a ton for me, but the original Tales from the Borderlands trailers did absolutely nothing for me either. So mm-hmm. I'll wait and see on that one. And then, of course, Hideo Kojima has a podcast. Yes, right. The most important announcement. God. Yes. Brain, brain, brain structure. Brain structure. Spotify exclusive. Next month. 
that was a weird segment. So they're going to have, of course, Japanese and English versions. Mm-hmm. So is the translated English version like? I'm I'm really wondering how that's going to be produced mm. because it's audio only. Like when you're when you're doing translation over video, it is very easy. You got subtitles. You see the actual speaker even as the dub is playing, but like. In an audio-only format, I really wonder how they're going to do the production on that. Like, you get an actor to play... That, that's what yeah, I mean, is, yeah. like, is it just somebody reading a script, or do they actually try to, like, emote in the they'd, same way? They'd better, otherwise that's a that's a really tough stuff. podcast to listen to, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know either. I hadn't even thought too much about that. We really, uh... We really just kind of glided over the whole Dead Island 2 thing, didn't we? Well, we didn't get oh, right, there yeah, yet. Yes, yeah, yeah, you know. Dead Island 2 got a date. Yeah, and it's like soon. Yeah, February. Yeah. Uh, and they showed it. For those who we don't know, Dead, Dead Island London. 2 has been in development for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten. Uh, God, who had it first? Was it Jaeger? I might have been. I think that's right. I should look this up. Didn't I think Jaeger was making it for some period of time, right? Originally. Yeah. And then it got handed to Sumo Digital, right? I think you're right. Hang on. Yes, that is correct. I don't remember I guess, the chain of custody. Techland, Techland, I guess, was never working on it. This says, this says Techland, I guess, was going to make Dead Island 2, but then they ended up signing the Dying Light deal with Warner Brothers instead. So then, yes, Deep Silver got Jaeger to make it. Remember, that didn't happen. I mean, remember, there was this like infamous E3 demo of this game years and years ago. Many years ago. Jaeger got pulled off of it, and I believe it was given to Sumo Digital... I thought yes. this game had come out at some point. That's, That's correct. And then they didn't get it done, and then it has now shifted to Dambuster Studios. Right. Which is a division of Deep Silver, but is actually Crytek UK. They are the makers of Homefront the Revolution, if that tells you anything. Which yeah, is I mean, all part of Embracer, right? It's all it part of it, yeah. Okay. That was not that was not at the time, but <laughs> no. Dambuster they basically like it sounds like it was a we just hired all the developers from the studio to start a new studio. Mm-hmm kind of situation um i looked okay it's kind of looks like what i expect well it's dead island no. you know like it's the goofy zombie well, game well dead island one is not goofy at all though it's super serious like i remember it having are, some goofy parts uh, the, in it but the tone the tone of it is like deadly serious like the the hoodoo you voodoo shit is obviously ridiculous yeah but the actual writing i mean i played through that entire game like the actual writing in that game is like the tone of that first game is like very grim. Maybe that's why I've uh, kind of forgotten everything I played of that game. Yeah, because like when that first E3 demo of two hit, I was like, "Oh wow, they are going in a very different direction with this." Huh. Um, and yeah, it looks like a goofy Dead Island. It's not even on an island; it's in LA. I don't know if it'd be any good or not. The footage, yeah, the, the footage is really just kind of killing a lot of zombies, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of what, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I expected. I assume that, like, the weapon goofiness is going to be kind of the draw here. Um, yeah, that's a that's a direction to go. Yeah. The games and their, and their weapon mod stuff have always been pretty cool. Just do a first-person dead, dead Rising. Wrapping barbed wire around a machete and then hooking it up to a car battery. How can you improve Yes, that? that is objectively it's a, cool. It's a, it is a, it's an idea with lasting appeal. Looked very goopy. To bring it back uh, to jam, it looked very jam-like. Yes. Every one of those zombies straight up just, like, exploded in a cloud of red. Gooey. Uh, there's a lot, of, a, yeah. a lot of environmental stuff also, like, flammable, like, 
you know, pools of gas and like electrified stuff. Like environmental kills have always been a big deal in those games. Seems neat. It's um, I'll see what ha- we'll see what happens in February. I I don't trust any date until it is in our hands now. But you know, February, like you said, is not that far away. Uh, yes. So we'll see. Nor nor do I trust the quality of anything until. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Especially something as long delayed as this. Uh, so they showed a, a lot of stuff here. I tried to go through, and I can kind of quickly read down this list here and put stuff in a chronological 2022 releases uh, list here because there are a number of things that do have a 2022 date now. So I'm going to read down these lists quickly, not really to pause here, but in chronological order from what I can find that had a date attached to it, we have September 19th, Return to Monkey Island, very soon. Yeah. Uh, September 29th, Moonbreaker in early access. Okay. Uh, sometime in October, Marauders, which didn't seem like that interesting to me, uh, early access. Stranded Alien Dawn, some some form in October. Dying Light 2 Blood Ties, October 13th. That just makes me kind of regret not getting further into Dying Light 2, but Dying Light 2 Blood Ties, a DLC. Uh, that new Tales from the Borderland, October, end of October, Gotham Knights, <laughs> they said it was going to get an earlier release date, but it's it like seems four to be days. the same release date. Yeah. Uh, October 21st, uh, Age of Empires expansion, that Ottomans and Amalians, October 25th, which I think is free. It's part of the anniversary update. Sonic Frontiers, which I keep forgetting about in November, Goat Simulator in November, Dark Tide, that's the 40K thing, November, Callisto Protocol is supposed to be December, early December. High on Life, that's the Justin Roiland oh, uh, game. It's thing, supposed man. to be December. It didn't have a great showing. No, I, it I mean I that you're really underselling how bad that thing came off. Yeah, kinda kinda I'm I trying was, not to be like overly <laughs> overly negative, but like the vitriol I saw directed at that demo, and I don't think it was unjustified. Like that looked wretched. Yeah, uh, demos aren't supposed to turn you off from a thing. I no, was more on but, before it then got turned off. That 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 hmm. I don't know if I want to get into <laughs> talk about a thing that some, didn't have any jokes. Some of the, some of the like PR they put out around that demo is extra, maybe ill-advised oh. in light of, in light of the response. Uh Oh, they, they put, they, they, they put out like a goofy press release about it. And like, it's like, Oh, it's high on life demo humiliates everything else at Gamescom. Oh, huh? I, I didn't, I had not seen the backlash. Interesting. That Alex is talking about is how I would describe it. (laughs) They show if you didn't see it, they showed a boss encounter which had High on Life is a game where the guns talk and it's it's very much um you know uh, Justin Roiland doing um hey what if what if Rick and Morty were guns yeah Mm -hmm. and and so but what if it was actually just Morty and it's Morty and and talking and there's a couple of other guns in there or weapons in there at the talk but they showed a boss fight which looked like a three stage boss fight straight out of any cookie cutter game yeah but it with, just looked kind of tedious and boring but with a kind of running uh sidekick commentary going in a way you might joke about a game being awful you know like mm-hmm. in a way that you're like oh i wish the <laughs> i wish it would stop talking so much during this kind of cookie cutter boss fight. it was just weird and not maybe a great showing of what the potential of that game could be uh that's but we'll find out maybe in december yeah. December 13th, and then uh, uh, a game called Blacktail, which had a listing of winter, which I saw a date December 15th. So, out of all of that stuff, I'm going to say that New Tales from the Borderlands, Gotham Knights 2, Sonic, 
and Darktide and Callisto Protocol. That's like a decent, out of Gamescom, a decent amount of stuff that's coming out this year that I'm looking forward to. And it wasn't on that thing, but there is a playable demo of that AEW game at Gamescom right now. Uh, they did a stage show with it, and it does look a little better, I will say. Man. And people are people, touching it? Yeah, people, people are playing Gamescom, it. playing new video games. Yeah. When is that supposed to come out? Or is that thought? That one has a temporary date of December 31st, so either okay. it's going to come out real late in the year, or it's it's sometime, like, you know, fiscal year, January to March. We'll see. Uh, if you can watch the full press conference we've got, uh, or us talking over the, the press conference, that's up an archive now. You can go check out everything else uh, that went up there. But yeah, it's uh, video games. They're still getting made. Hopefully things uh, the the industry's getting back on the track and we get some healthy, solid development cycles with good games coming out at the end of them. Because unhealthy development cycles with bad games coming out, it's not good for anybody. No. No, it is not. Uh, Brad, do you want to take us through the rest of the news here? As as it as it were, is that that was a big one? Uh, there's some more. What's what? How about this uh, other PlayStation news? Oh, uh, Sony very nonchalantly announced that the PlayStation VR two will be out in early 2023. Quote unquote. Huh. Quote unquote. By nonchalantly, I mean like on Instagram. Oh, they just posted a f- product shot and just says coming early 2023 interesting working on the story for a year and they just instagrammed it out <laughs> which like it seems kind of anticlimactic but here we are no price um, though no that is the million dollar question hopefully it does not cost a million dollars i need to know what i uh, what i should put into my you need a budget right now for early 2023 how much i need to start saving for this psvr2 um that's kind of it <laughs> yeah uh, i guess i hadn't kept up too much i guess analysts had been kind of pointing to that from things they had been hearing in manufacturing and supply chain mm. but maybe that's why sony just got out and said it was like okay this is going to leak more than it already has if we don't just confirm this mm. uh but there you go that's fairly soon yeah i, I mean i was thinking maybe next holiday the way things have been going i mean it could get pushed and we'd who knows, but that's what they're, I mean, early 20, like you said, early 20, it'd be weird if they said early 2023 and pushed it because early 2023 is like months away. Yeah. So yeah, they, they would not commit to that without that's playing hardware is a real bad look. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess since we're talking about supply chain, like video games, Chronicle has highlighted a quote from Ming Chi Kuo of TF international securities. Okay. Um, about just stuff he's been hearing in supply chain and, and such like. He estimates they may be shipping like a million and a half units. Okay, that's a lot. It seems like. Um, is it? Is that a lot? It sounds like a lot. Um, I don't know what the original PSVR did initially. Uh, it did well. I don't. I never. I don't think I saw like like life to date numbers anytime recently. But I remember it doing. I want to say five or six million units or something. Okay, seemed pretty. I mean, you know, that's a drop in the bucket of the total PS4 install base, but sure. for a fairly niche uh, piece of hardware that was expensive with pretty high ask for kind of usability stuff. So these will probably I be hard to get good. for a bit, you think? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Okay. Hard to say. I doubt it, especially if it comes in at something <laughs> painful, like $500 plus. Dollars. Yeah. 400 maybe. I would be shocked if it was over, if it was under 400 No, I'm, I'm getting ready for six. Um... Mm. 
Maybe I don't. I, I I think they just literally can't do that. Do six. I you know that's a it's a pretty intense piece of tech. The original one didn't come with controllers. Yeah, it didn't have a lot of the features in it. I don't know. I mean, I'm I hoping hope, that I hope having doesn't. done that first version of it, like they learned some things about how to manufacture this one at a slightly cheaper rate. But yeah. All right. Finally, here in uh, there are there are three things you can always count on in 2022. A game's going to be delayed. Yeah, uh, we're going to have this podcast. Mm-hmm. And the Embracer Group's going to buy something. Uh, oh, dude, my what God. What the fuck was this? You were so really you- burying this one with the something. <laughs> what, what, what? Do we what do we got? Hang on, man. I should have dug up that Twitter thread that somebody Ooh. sent me the, the, the night this went down. I think it was a night. Here it is. Oh, it was a Wario 64 thread. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Wario 64 just went and... I thought Embracer did this themselves. Mm. Warrior 64 just went and tweeted every one of these press releases all at once. At starting at 9 p.m. on August 17th. What do we got? Embracer Group acquires limited run games. Got it. Embracer Group acquires Sing Tricks. Got it. Buried right here in the middle. Embracer Group acquires IP rights to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit literary works by J.R.R. Tolkien. That... Is a weird like, one. Yeah. Extremely. Okay. Although it was less weird once I read the actual release on that one. Yeah. Embracer Group acquires Tuxedo Labs, makers of Teardown. Uh-huh. Uh, Tripwire Interactive, mm-hmm. makers of Killing Floor. And that, that and Maneaters, Man-Eater. that shark game, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, do, 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 do. Tossagine, which I guess was their first Japanese studio. Okay. Um, which I think is a bullet hell developer, right? I'm not familiar. Yeah, I don't know them. Uh, led by one of the founders of the iconic arcade game studios, Toa Plan, which I have heard of, but don't know a ton about. I want to say Toa Plan does a bunch of bullet hell stuff. I'd believe it. Uh, God, there's more in here. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Bitwave Games. Uh-huh. Geotech. Uh-huh. Uh... Oh, wow. Did Toa Plan... Huh. Did Toa Plan made Zero Wing? Is that what I'm getting from this? Oh, really? Huh. That's what this... This Warrior 64, the last tweet in this thread just says, Embracer Group having the rights to the Toa Toa Plan catalog. And then there's a shot of Zero Wing here. I don't know if that is... I may may be jumping to conclusions on that one. I mean, you could also just be making an all-your-base joke. No, no. Zero Wing is, in fact, a Toa Plan game. Great. I mean, the, right. the, the all your base joke also makes sense yes. in this context. Anyway. Well, you, I, well, there's one more in this uh, video game chronicle story you sent over, which is, quote, <clears throat> another company within PC console right. gaming that for As commercial yet reasons, known. Is yes, right. Today. It's like, hey, we got another one we didn't even mention here. <laughs> Jeez. That we might, that we'll get around to later when the market allows it or whatever. Oh, boy. Um, that was a lot. It's a lot. So, Let's take okay. in a lot can you pick apart a little bit about what these lord of the rings rights they got Um, actually are to the extent that i can so tolkien sold off the like i guess i i always understood it to be mainly the film rights but i guess it must have been a lot more licensing than that Mm -hmm. to some stuff i I'm a little reluctant to even wade into this because I don't fully understand it. But it's a lot to the basic. They, he he sold that stuff all off like I think in the '60s. Yeah, 
to, I want to say United Artists, and then they sold it to a producer named Saul Zantz, hmm. uh, who produced a lot of very well-known films, including One Flew Over the Cougar's Nest, stuff of that caliber. Um, anyway, he, he and his company were the rights holders of that stuff for decades. Like, they're the reason that the Peter Jackson films were made. Um, because the Tolkien estate by that time never would have allowed something like that if they still controlled that stuff. Anyway, as far as I know, this is just them buying the rights that the Saul's Ants company has held all this time. Okay. I don't believe they are getting anything new in this transaction. Like, they don't own the rights now, obviously, to that Amazon series. That was a separate deal that was already done. No, and gosh, I'd have to pull this stuff up again. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, if it's the literary rights then it's you know not even the movie likenesses or anything that so, so that was so that was like wario 64's tweet i'm not sure where he lifted that phrasing from mm. because like that sounded to me like oh my god they bought the 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 books they just like, bought they lord of the Rings. everything right that's what that read like to me but that's not actually the case this is fuck, man, but presumably this, this gives them like Maybe not full carte blanche, but like pretty wide range ability to make games based on the literary works, correct? Yes. Well, those two, I believe. Yeah. Just The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. Not so like the Cimmerillion or any of that. Ton of stuff that Christopher Tolkien put together that I think John Ronald Royal never maybe intended to see the light of day, but mm -hmm. his son put it all together like Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales and a bunch of stuff like that. But uh, I don't think any of that is included in here. Would you would you assume that whatever rights interaction happened with that Gollum game would be from cut from this? Probably part of this. Part of this. Uh, so this is video games and board games, film, merchandising, stage productions. Um, this does give them a pretty broad range of rights to stuff. It's just very confusing to me, and again, this is minutia we may, maybe don't need to get into, because yeah. my, my understanding is that it, that stuff had always only been limited to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. There is a thing at the bottom of this infographic that also says, matching rights to adapt any other Tolkien-authored literary sequel and prequel, including The Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales, which sounds new to me, but I don't know. So I really don't. In this video game chronicle story, also in a caption underneath one of the pictures, it says Middle Earth Enterprises has, quote, financial interests, end quote, in Amazon's upcoming series, The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Yeah, I think they would have had to sign off on that stuff because they were the rights holders, I believe. <laughs> but there's even there's even some weird esoteric stuff there about like certain rights only cover television series of a certain length in terms of number yeah, of episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. like. What is it? I think it's under... Yeah, Amazon series falls outside the purview of what they have here. Right. I'm trying to find that. I think they said it was like four oh, episodes. Is. Here, it is. here it is, yes. Uh, motion picture rights to Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, including shown serially in four or fewer episodes. <laughs> so yes, that eight episode Amazon series is, is somehow at least partially separate from this. It's a gigantic mess. Yeah, yeah I bet. I mean, that's I mean, much so, like Embracer Group and trying to untangle the various ways in which they have gotten their tendrils into video games. It is a huge mess and almost impossible to pick apart. Yeah, like, the, I mean, the key thing here is that, for, at least for me, from my standpoint, is that nothing owned by the Tolkien estate has been further sold off here. Right. This is. If, if, if I understand this correctly, these are just the same rights that have been in other hands for, I don't know, 45 plus years already. Right. But you can probably be sure that Embracer is going to do more with them than mm. the Saul Zance company was. And it seems like uh, 
they don't have a price here. They have seven hundred eighty-seven million for the majority of these things, including Middle Earth stuff, Limited Run, Tuxedo, Tripwire, Singtrix, and that undisclosed company. So that seven hundred eighty-seven includes some uh, operational targets and, and a bunch of other things, but that doesn't include uh, Bitwave, Tatsujin, or the was it Ge- Geotech? Yeah, I, I guess that's how you say that. Anyway, uh, so dude, that, just fucking I, what the fuck. I mean, of the actual just... game stuff in there, like Limited Run is kind of a wild one. Yeah, that's, kind of. that's the Bill and Ted, uh, when we looked up, we're talking about the yeah, Bill they, and Ted stuff, right? They, they do little boutique uh, physical releases of stuff. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem like a growth market. I don't really know what their aim is there. <laughs> I mean, but... I, if, if the, the express goal there is for them to get a firm grip on the video game collector's market, that's not a bad way to go. But it is like... The stuff they do is at such a scale that I'm just I'm not sure what they can do to grow that business if they even want to. Just this this just like shotgun blast of acquisition announcements all at once is just like mind boggling. It's, it's wild. Just like Embracer just decided to go on a shopping spree. It's the maybe it's they like have me a lot when of money. I find some wrestling masks on eBay. Maybe they have a lot of money that they need to put somewhere. I I mean almost a billion dollars. Uh, apparently they're putting somewhere. It's. It's it, yeah, you're right. It's a it's a it's bananas. Like if you're looking, if you're a mid-sized company and want to sell, I guess go email Embracer. It's yeah, like Tuxedo Labs is nuts because uh, they may have grown, but I know Teardown for a lot of its development was just the guy, the one guy. Hmm. Yeah, for example. So yeah, hey, crazy <laughs> make shit, it, make, man. Make make an interesting indie game and become part of then get embraced. I. Like the joke is no longer funny, right? Like it is embracing. Now it's actually, actually worrisome. It actually owns like. I I look again. I have no insight into how the hell this company works. I do know that like at least some of their money does come from the same uh, development fund that uh, like other aspects of gaming have gotten, uh, which pertains to the Saudi Arabian government. Uh, but I don't know if that is like where the bulk of their funds came from. They did get a big investment from Saudi Arabia. I know that. Was it was it the sovereign wealth fund? Something like that. that. Yeah. Initiative. But the thing is, like, even before that, they were still a very weird organization that I've never been able to fully suss out exactly what it is, how it is they came to be the the thing that they are. And I still am just waiting for the expose on how this company even exists. It's oh, wait, all I'm very sorry. fast. I'm sorry, that's the public investment fund. Right, okay. Saudi, Saudi Arabian thing. It's like very rapid. That's the thing that is weird. Like in a it's way a, that feels wrong. Yeah, manufactured and shady and weird and like a cover for something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't entirely disagree, although this really is just broadly an era of consolidation. So It totally is, and maybe. I bet every single one of these companies was probably in a position where they were a little weaker than they would have been uh, like before the pandemic. Um, but could just be looking to add as many arrows to their quiver as they can while, you know, the Microsofts and Sony's are throwing billions around to get a bunch of big players. They're like, Hey, we want to be a big player too. We're going to like build up a, you know, a giant stable slowly. I don't know. Like I want to see the updated market cap bubbles, you know, like where they show the little orb of where Embracer falls on on a thing in terms of giant media companies. Maybe it just touches our world because they just keep buying stuff within our game world, but they feel big. No, they've become very big. We don't think of them in the way that we think of like a Ubisoft or an EA, but the thing is they are now in so many different places. I bet they are actually – 
in terms of number of studios and manpower, they're not that far off. Like, are they Tencent big? Oh, fuck that off. I don't think so. Right, nobody like, is Tencent big. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's what I mean. Like, are, like how big are we getting here? Are we? I think they are probably as big as any significant third party publisher at this point in terms of manpower. I don't know about yeah. market share necessarily, yeah. but. Like, 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 yeah, like workforce, number of business units, whatever, whatever. Number of countries like, you now have, like, you know, people working in. Like, like, sort of uh, profile of products shipped, though. I don't know. You know, like, let's. A lot of their stuff has come in the last 10 years is the let's, thing. Let's not, let's not forget that Saints Row is an Embracer game, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I think. Like, like, I can't think of a lot of, like, major successes out of there. I mean, like the, what's the board game company? Asmodee, is that the one mm-hmm. they bought? Right. Like, that's huge, right? Like, that'll just keep doing the business that it does. But in terms of, like, marquee video games coming out of Embracer properties, there's not a ton so far. (sighs) As of August 2022, Embracer Group now has 120 internal game development studios and more than 12,750 employees. That is a wild number, man. That's crazy. (laughs) 40 countries. I'm looking at also like the dates everything was acquired and guess see if you can guess the year range in which the majority of these were requ- were acquired. I bet it started somewhere around 2017 or 18. That's what I would guess. The earliest ones on here I see are around 2017. But okay, but the yeah. vast majority are between 2019 and now. Yep. Yeah, it's fast. It's been fast. It's been rapid. Yeah, I mean it it really started when Nordic Games bought the THQ stuff. Like that was when it all came to prominence. I'm yeah. sure there was stuff going on there prior to that. But it was when they, I think that was probably some fire sale. It just feels like they're brute forcing their way into a role that I never would have expected them to be in. It's 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 wild. It's wild. Like you're you have a good percentage chance if you think of a studio to win. If you say I think they're part of the Embracer Group, like you're probably more more correct than not at this point. Uh, all right. Any other news we want to talk about? That's that's it. That's that's plenty right there. I'm out of breath. (laughs) Got a lot of games, got a lot of stuff, a lot of ins and outs. Uh, Before we get going here, I want to mention we have the WatchCast currently rolling and recording. Mm -hmm. Alex, what is on the free feed that people can find by typing WatchCast uh, into their favorite podcast app? If you're on the free feed, you can listen to last week's episode where Drew Scanlon joined us to talk about 1995's Crimson Tide right now. Great. Fantastic. It's fun. It's a good movie. It's, it's a uh, great movie. It's a hell of a lot of... It, it's tense as hell. We just recorded our um, our last in the submarine uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, das, das Boot. Boot. Yes. Uh, Drew joined us again. Thank you again, Drew Scanlon. For that, and then so if have, you're one of our uh, ten dollar and up patrons, you can listen to our latest Star Trek episode right now. That is the episodes "What Are Little Girls Made Of" and "Mary." Have you announced what our next movies are publicly yet? No, that will be uh, those will be announced on the Das Boat episode. So look okay. for that. There will be two give, movies in September. So look out for that. Uh, you want to give people a little taste here? No, not yet. All right, good, yeah, a good little, for you. A little Show teasing like out. It. Like yeah. again, you'll find out on Monday. It's not. Okay. It's. I'm not. It's not going to be a big secret for long. <laughs> I love it. You'll have enough time to prepare. Uh, I love it. Uh, we got a bunch of other stuff going on. Don't forget. Uh, say it here so that it becomes written in stone. 
That week of the 5th in September, we will have podcasts. We will have a bunch of stuff, but we will not have live streams. We're going to be mm-hmm. uh, Next Lander offices will be closed. We will have some pre-recorded content going up that week, though. So mark your calendars accordingly. But you'll be able to find the podcast and the watchcast uh, during that week as well. I want to thank everybody for supporting us. You can go over to patreon.com slash nextlander. One of those things we'll be having up that week or around will be in, uh, the another episode of Never Been a Better Podcast, mm-hmm. where you can join Alex and uh, Jeff Bacalar and Dan Reichert as we chat about stuff. And that's all made possible by your support over on the Patreon, watching our stuff, listening to our stuff. Couldn't do it without you. There are a bunch we of could tiers. Try, but it wouldn't go well. It would not go well. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't go at all. No. Uh, you can find a tier that's right for you. Feel free to move around, do what you need to do over there. It seems pretty flexible. One of the tiers over there is the mysterious benefactor tier, and they get their names read on this here podcast. And Alex Navarro, Mm -hmm. can you read those names for us this week? No. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I absolutely will. The mysterious benefactors for this week are John Richardson, Vornak, Corey Porter, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pezsky, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, John McGinnis, Octothorpe, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R., Kevin Velato, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. And thanks again to everybody who has supported us over on the Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash next lander you got all the content schedules the the patreon exclusive content you got a link to the merch store there uh go uh go treat yourself get yourself get yourself a nice podcast and a mug yeah <laughs> if you you, you, you a got great that merch job. store up i think the people are starting to get their merch now i've seen some yeah. photos on the the social media everything looks great we endorse heartily and listen if you've got an idea for a great next lander t-shirt you can send over those ideas uh, over at uh, info at nextlander.com uh, that'll that'll reach us if you got like hey this is a great shirt idea I'll look at we it we promise to I'll only steal it if you let us no no we're not going that's to that's terrible we're not going to that's terrible we never would theft theft with permission mm-hmm. oh that don't like any I'm of this just, conversation at just, all well, look I'm just gonna I've let like three good titles for this podcast go by without writing them down and I forgot <laughs> all of them uh, I need to just manufacture something. No, you okay, got it. Good. You got it right here. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that good? Yes, Theft I will let permission. you steal this with permission. Ugh. Theft with permission. Uh, I've just typed that in. That is the title of this episode. All right. Also, if you want to send in uh, emails, you can send them to podcast at nextlander.com. Yes, Pod- Podcast at nextlander. We ended up send taking a bunch. Thoughts. We took a bunch of this week's emails for our, uh, our episode that we are going to be putting up the week we're out. So no emails today. Yeah, but I like hearing all about your adventures out there 
you, the listening public out there, your adventures in the real world. So send mm-hmm. them in podcast at nextlander.com. Make sure you write it like that. Yeah, Cam. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. Hey, I got a question for you guys. What's from this week? What's the one you, what's the game you guys want to pick up and keep running with? From this week? Yeah. It's not yeah. Saints Row. Yeah, we talked a lot about games Nothing. this week. <laughs> you going to get back in Horizon? I'm, I'm going to keep playing Madden, and I'm going to keep playing Call to the Lamb. Those are kind of my two right now, but like, I do want to pick up Midnight Fight Express. I keep meaning to, and I just haven't had time yet. Mm. I, I want to play that Last of Us remake. Like that's the thing. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I'm interested in, and I don't intend to play one minute more of Saints Row than I need to <laughs> for our stream stuff. Yeah, man. And I will move on with my life. When I hear I wanna, that game has been fixed, if that ever happens, I might jump back in. I want to play more Cult of the Lamb, get that patch in, and then I'm gonna probably go back to. Yeah, I'd like to play that too, but that's with that as broken as it is as well. <sighs> I'm not going to switch over to PC. All right. That's going to do it. We'll talk more. We'll find out what happens next week on the The Next Lander Podcast. See everybody.